The Serious Side is coming up next, right here on the TJRS Radio Network. My mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These council binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the same what I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in our class. Colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. School shootings are preventable if you know the signs. Learn more at sandyhookpromise.org. What do you wish for? A nice life? Nice things? Or do you wish for something more? A sense of purpose? Do you wish to discover a cure? To write code that cracks an unsolvable question? To further our exploration into space? Or to invent something that changes everything right here on Earth? Well... If that's your wish, make yourself ready. Because when you look back, you'll see that you didn't just make wishes. You realized them. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Amy Held. The spread of coronavirus is accelerating at an alarming rate. Cases, hospitalizations, and deaths are all breaking records in the U.S. With more than 100,000 COVID patients across the country, double last month's total, more hospitals are straining to keep up. They're reporting staff shortages, canceling medical procedures, and rationing care. In California, some regions are shutting down starting tonight in an effort to spare their hospitals. Kate Wolf from member station KQED reports. On Thursday, Governor Gavin Newsom said areas of the state where ICU capacity drops below 15% will have to shut down bars, hair salons, and in-person dining. On Saturday, the San Joaquin Valley region had an overall ICU capacity of 8.6%, and Southern California's ICUs were at around 12.5% capacity. Health officers in the San Francisco Bay Area announced they'd also impose the restrictions, although they weren't yet required to under the governor's order. Now, residents of those areas are prohibited from meeting with people from other households and advised to stay home except for essential errands. Newsom said schools can remain open and retailers can also operate indoors at 20% capacity. For NPR News, I'm Kate Wolf in San Francisco. 
Some 50,000 Ethiopians fleeing war have crossed the border into neighboring Sudan. But NPR's Ada Peralta reports the same ethnic tensions driving the conflict have made their way into a refugee camp. Many of the refugees at this camp fled from a town called Maikadra in western Ethiopia. It was the site of a massacre in which more than 600 people were killed last month. Refugees say militias systematically targeted them by ethnicity. One refugee showed me wounds from a machete attack. His friend, Abraham Ismama, says they have received little aid at this camp because they are Amhara. He said, I, told, I take, take this one to the doctor. And when I say I do not understand the Grinya, the doctor asked me to leave. Another refugee pointed at a baby. What does he know about politics? What does he know about ethnicity, he said. Ada Pralta and Care News in Village 8 camp along the Sudan-Ethiopia border. Seven contractors are injured, four critically, after a storage tank at a petroleum facility in Texas exploded yesterday. It happened at Magellan Midstream Partners in Corpus Christi. Viola Rodriguez lives nearby and was startled. I'm scared. I wish they'd buy a house so we can move, you know, to a, a safe location. Because I don't know what's going to happen next time. Officials say the explosion followed a fire at the facility. The cause is unknown. Venezuelans take to the polls today to vote for a new national assembly. The opposition is boycotting. It's near certain the lawmakers who support President Nicolas Maduro will be returned to power, despite an economy left in tatters. You're listening to NPR News. Coming up next on The Serious Side. I think I've done more than any other first-term president ever. I have a phony witch hunt, which is just a phony pile of stuff. Mueller comes out, there's no collusion, and essentially a ruling. I see you looking there with a little smirk. How many times did you look so innocent into your wife's eye and lie to her about Uh, Lisa? Mr. Chairman, it's outrageous. Harassment of the witness. You need your medication. Well, the, uh, the allegations against Congressman Conyers, as we have learned more since uh, Sunday, are serious, disappoint- disappointing, and very credible. It's very sad. Uh, the brave women who came forward are owed justice. Now to the latest on a Harris County juvenile judge under investigation after he reportedly released nearly all of the children that appeared before him the day after he lost what real life. we have not seen before in our recent public life at least, blatantly, repeatedly, baldly, shamelessly lying. Making stuff up. The president said he passed a middle class tax cut before the next election. Congress isn't even in session. He just makes it up. Welcome to the serious side of the J. Ryle Show with Kathleen Williams, Mrs. Vanessa Maybell, Mr. Jerome Esprit, the official texter of the show, Mr. Johnny D, and Mr. Elias. Now here is your host, J. Ryle. Thank you so much and good morning and welcome into the serious side. Today is December 6, 2020. And I tell you what, here's the things that we'll be talking about this morning right here on the serious side of the J. Ryle Show. It's the Sunday Morning Roundtable. You know how it works, folks. The Sunday Morning Roundtable is where our panelists bring topics to the table 
that they like to discuss. It's always surprising, always funny, always enlightening, and sometimes, you know what, it's just critical that we have these conversations. So without any further ado, let me bring in my family. First up, my big sis, love her to death. She's enjoying retirement. She's out there on the highways and byways of America. And let me tell you this, she hangs out with Trump voters, still do, watches MSNBC and CNN, so you don't have to. Let's bring in the very lovely Miss Vanessa Maybell. Good morning, Vanessa, and welcome in. How are you doing today? Good morning, Jay. I'm doing well, and I had a great birthday. Thank you. Absolutely. We wish you happy birthday. You know, I'm going to sing to you today on the show. You know that, right? No, my birthday was a week ago, so that's okay. Yeah, I but I wish you every birthday. Call. I sent you a text. Don't I even try it, Vanessa. I'm trying to bust down the air. Everybody else get when, it's, when they be calling you off the app, but that's okay. I love you anyway. Move uh-huh. I did uh-huh. send you a text. Stop it. Sent you a text. Don't you put me out there like that. I would sing extra hard for you this morning since you put it out no, it like that. How are, you, how are you doing, sweetheart? I'm good, Jay. Getting ready right. for the first Sunday of the last one of the new year. Of this year, of 2020. Wow. I didn't do the math. Wow, that is amazing. You're absolutely correct. It's funny. It's We're in the mm-hmm. home stretch. The last and it's going to be... Get out of here. Isn't that something? I'm glad you brought that up. Thank you so much. And yeah, I love I'm you. Yeah, I'm getting out early, Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's bring in, let's bring in the educator brother himself, the brother who needs no introduction, the one and only Johnny D, and the place to be who has been on a hiatus, but he's back. Welcome back, man. How are you doing? You know, Jay, I I am blessed, and first and foremost, I want to extend a belated birthday to uh, Miss Vanessa. Um, again, in my absence, I unfortunately wasn't aware of such a, a celebratory day for an elegant uh, young lady. So I, I do extend you a, a, a belated birthday. Um, happy to be in the Advent season. Um, you know, as as we close this this close out the year of 2020, you know, the Advent season uh, symbolizes uh, a celebration prior to what we, what we validate or what we state is, is Jesus's birthday. So uh, this is a good time for reflection and a good time for us to reconcile any differences as, as we go into the calendar year. Of 2020, and I'm just thankful to be back. I really, truly am. I, I, I've had some uh, some weeks where I had to take care of some business, and certainly missed the show. Um, have not had an opportunity to go back and listen to any other topics. Just you know, consumed with the COVID virus, and still consumed with it. Yeah. But uh, I may get a phone call and may have to depart. But uh, right now, uh, God has blessed me to be part of it. So, Jay. Again, well, you know, thank you for this opportunity, and I greet you. I greet Miss Vanessa, I greet Miss Les, and Mr. Jerome, and Dr. Williams, and all those fine persons who allow us an opportunity to come into their homes. Again, this is uh, a, a good day for me. Uh, like I say, I, I'm, I'm glad to be back in this number and on this particular broadcast. Hey, man, appreciate your comments, and uh, we welcome you back. 
Uh, definitely missed your uh, voice, especially last week, but uh, who knows? We'll see what you want to talk about today, and we may be able to revisit some of those things. So thank you for being in the house, and thank you for being who you are in my life. Let's say good morning to uh, the smartest. He had the educated brother. Now the smartest man in the world is in the house. Usually joins us after his commitment with Clear Channel, but he is in the house bright and early this morning. Let's say good morning to the one and only Mr. Jerome Esprit. Good morning, Jerome. How you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good. How are you? Doing outstanding this morning, brother. Doing outstanding okay. this morning. Yes, sir. Glad that hey, you're in I the house. It. And the man who gets the first and last word here on the serious side, the one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. How about yourself? Uh, good morning, Ness. I know I wished you a happy birthday. Good morning, Kathleen. Yes, good you morning, did. Good morning, Thank Good morning, you. Rick Sister. No problem, sweetheart. And good morning, uh, Marion and Music. Good morning, Hulk. And good morning, my brother, Jerome Spreaks. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. The following the call in number is three four seven eight five oh one two seven two three four seven eight five oh one two seven two. You can be a part of the conversation this morning. Today is the Sunday morning roundtable where we ask our panelists for questions and topics to discuss on a beautiful Sunday morning. Hope you guys are being safe where you are and uh we really appreciate you being a part of this broadcast. So, without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hopefully, the chat room's open. We are monitoring yes, the social media sites that we normally monitor. We thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate each and every last one of you. It's time for the first topic of the morning. Here we go. All right, Mr. Elias, what's on the agenda for this morning? Uh, man, I, I don't know where to go with this one. Uh, I had, like... I don't know if I want to talk about the, if anybody's going to take the vaccine or not, you know, because, you know, they're it, it, rolling it out. But, you know, man, Rachel Maddow, I looked at her the other night, and she had a, 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 an interesting subject on it. It's called an Open Sky Treaty. And what the Open Sky Treaty is, is that uh, between us, Russia, and eight, 18 countries involved in this. And what this is, is that America and all the rest of these countries, uh, America and Russia, and other countries have developed a treaty between these these places. And what you can do, they got a special plane designed to that, that this plane can go over and flies over these 18 countries, right? And what it does is it's designed to either sniff out if there has been a nuclear bomb set up where you're testing nuclear bombs, or you can take photos to see if they are prepping for war. Now, what the Trump administration is doing right now is dismantling this program and dismantling this plane, and they're getting rid of it. And why are we doing this? Why, are, why, uh, why is he trying to set the world on fire before he leaves the White House, man? I don't, I don't, I don't get this. Why are we not an up, up in arms over this? Because this, you know, Tells us if Russia's plotting anything against us, that I mean we're in a treaty with these people, and, it, and 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 he's trying to he's pulling out the treaty. He's like, nope, we don't want to be in this treaty anymore. And it, it, this is just ridiculous. It's like he's trying to set the world on fire because he lost the election, and I, I don't understand why everybody's not up in arms over this because we right now Russia can plot and plan and do anything they want to to us, and we don't even know what's coming. 
and people are just like, oh well, I, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm like, and, and he's not just dismantling, pulling out the treaty. He's, he's tearing this plane up. He's dismantling this plane and tearing it to shreds so that the, the Biden administration can't put it back together and get going with it. And it takes like two years to build this plane because this plane is full of spy uh, and detecting stuff to, 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 to detect everything that's going on. Why aren't people in up and up in arms over there? I, I don't, I don't get it. We're flying blind now, and people, and we're taking our eyes off the prize because this guy is dismantling this this program. I don't understand it. It's, it's wrong on every account. All right. So there it is. I think the general question that you're asking is, why is he dismantling or corrupting things? You know, you're right. I read about what's going on with uh, not only the plane, but the fact that, uh, you know, President-elect Biden's team is not having access to intelligence information, which some senior officials are saying that will that would definitely put them behind the power curve come January 2021. So uh, let's start the conversation right there. Vanessa, what say you in regards to Mr. Elias's topic for the morning, for this segment at least? About dismantling the plane? They're dismantling it, yes. And that's they're, they're tearing this plane apart and they're getting rid of it. They're, they're, they're tearing it apart and getting rid of it. They don't, they don't want us to have, because between the 18 countries, they agreed that they could, that like Russia can fly over us with these special planes and we can fly over Russia with a special plane to detect if, if, there's, if we're trying to create war against anybody. And it sniffs out if there has been like a nuclear bomb set off. It's got, I mean, this thing has got full capability. So he, what he's doing is he, he, we, we're in this, we've been in this treaty since 1992. So um, he's, he's pulled out the treaty, and he's dismantling the plane. He's tearing the plane up. Like, okay, nope, so to answer have the question then, I guess people are not upset about it because they don't know about it. I mean, as much as... I'm on MSNBC and switching to CNN. I mean, when I'm in my car, we even listen to Fox just to see what Fox is thinking. Of course, they're not going to mention that on Fox, but I personally had not heard anything about the airplane being dismantled. I love it. So maybe that's why people aren't discussing it, because Trump is doing so much other dirty, low-down stuff at the same time. They're too busy talking about that. I mean, because he's doing some dirty stuff on his way out the office, and I can't wait to find out what he did that we won't even find out about until he's gone. So that's why I, that's why I am on what Les said to answer people not just yeah, but I think that's not the, in the uproar because they didn't know. Yeah, but, but that's I, the bigger I, question, Vanessa. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. The bigger question is, and the bigger, I guess, you know, if we're going to look at it, from a different perspective is this, is that exactly all the things that he's actually doing, that is one aspect of it. There's no doubt about it. But like, you know, like the fact that the transition team is not even have access to the intelligence agency. I mean, so like you said, Vanessa, I think the broader topic here is all the things he's trying to do before he leaves. And I, and I don't know, Vanessa, do you think it's a situation where he's doing this because he wants the Biden uh, presidency to jump off to such a rocky start that people will start clamoring for him, which makes his prospects better in 2024. I mean, what do you think the reasoning for him doing some of the things that he's doing, besides the obvious? Well, first, he's not going to run in 2024. And even 
Fox News is saying that he's not going to run in 2024. Hannity's not okay. saying it, but the other people at Fox are saying he's not running in 2024. They tried a line for him. So they really are, y'all. It's funny when they turn on him. But uh, I, I just think he's doing such dirty stuff because he doesn't want Biden to look good. He wants Biden to have to um, scramble to get stuff back in check just so he can do his normal job. So this, this is my deal. And this is what I said, but what the hell do I know? Everything that he's taking, like the money to be able to do this or the money to be able to do that, I just feel like they should be able to loan that money from the Democratic Party to help Biden have the money to do what he needs to do. If Trump decides to tear the plane up, I hate to say it, but just let my tax dollars get this man another plane and put Air Force One on it or until he can get what he needs. I mean, I, I'm, Trump is just playing dirty ball. He's not going to rerun. He announced last night he got $270 million from stupid Republicans who are still giving him money because they think he's going to run. And he's not going to run because he's going to be in hiding, because he's going to be in so much trouble, all of it's going to actually come out in the air. He's going to be pardoned from it. But he's still going to come out of the dirty, low-down stuff that he's doing. And that's why his children are moving to Miami, because he's coming out now. So, you know, I just think that they, the Democratic Party, the, the, what's the, the what is it called, the Lincoln Group, needs to step up and give Biden some money to continue doing whatever it is he needs to do until he gets in the White House. When he gets in the White House, he can reimburse them back. If he needs an airplane, go buy another Air Force One. Just go buy no, 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 one. no, Vanessa. They, oh, no, no, that's no, a what the problem? Plane, the one that flies over. Well, get another one of them. Well, it takes like two years to build this plane. That's that's the problem. It takes two years because it's the plane so is so dirty and low down. It takes two years to build until And I think he's yeah, setting up for a war. Yeah, could be. You never know with I, this I guy. All right, let's get. Yeah, he could be. Let's uh, let's hear from Jerome. Jerome, what do you think in regards to uh, what we've discussed so far, and as far as what Trump is doing on his way out the door? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm familiar with this, and it's probably one of the. I mean, you can't arrest a. Oh, I think we lost yeah. Jerome's audio. I think we lost his audio. Johnny, do you go ahead until we fix what's going on with Jerome? What, what, what's your response to this? Well, th- this is this is a true American. I mean, uh, he is certainly uh, not surprised. You know, those who who believe in the rule of law. Uh, again, uh, he's he's a criminal and he is a threat to national security and has been since he entered the office. You know, there's a lot of scholars who believe that, you know, part of uh, Osama bin Laden's success back in 2001 as far as bombing the World Trade and the Pentagon and and declaring war on America was, was constituted because of George Bush and Al Gore's uh, electoral process and how long it took. So that transition of power 
some some scholars say that that delay interrupted the national defense and in, 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 in the defense in, in the briefing simply because you know George Bush did not get uh, any of the briefings until well into December, uh, you know, mid December, late December. And if you think about the concept, what 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 Les is talking about, you know, this open sky treaty. Uh, I did hear about this uh, early. I didn't see it on on Rachel Maddox, but you know, on on one of the apps, you know, this guy literally has withdrawn from the treaty. And you know, you go back to to you know the white Eisenhower. Uh, you know, when, when Dwight Eisenhower declared Russia to be our most formidable enemy and, you know, the proximity of Cuba, you know, this is when that first was conceived. Now, of course, as Les indicated in 1992 is when, is when the treaty was actually signed. But it gives, you know, scope to 34 different states to be able to just kind of fly over airspaces to do reconnaissance and surveillance to make sure that everybody and every every country is playing fair. Now, his his deliberate withdrawal is it jeopardizes national security. Now, of course, let's not let's not uh, mistake the fact that the pandemic and the lack of response has jeopardized national uh, security as well. If you look at the number of military persons who have been impacted by the COVID. That's statistics and data that I don't have readily available. But a couple of weeks ago, I heard the numbers of military folks, you know, uh, domestic and, and abroad, who is impacted by COVID. That 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 addresses operational ready. Then you look at the economy and the fact that people are not working. So, you know, the whole dynamics of, of what he's doing is a recipe for Americans to be more vulnerable. You look at the pulling of the troops um, in the Middle East, and, and here it is, you know, here it is a, a, a criminal who's who's portraying himself as the president that has actually bombed Somalia, okay, has been bombing Somalia nearly 50 times since he's been the president, and here the other day he said that he's going to pull the troops. Now, if you had justification to bomb the Somalians, 50 times in, in a four-year period of time, and now all of a sudden you're going to draw down the troops. You know, let, let's just be real. For all of those individuals that's out there singing, you know, uh, Lee Greenwood, proud to be an American, hypocrisy. That's what it is. This guy is the most un-American, treasonous person that has ever served in that office. And for those individuals who support him ought to be shameful. Here it is. We, 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 contesting, uh, we contesting one another over masks. You know, you got people dying, families are dying, and and this guy is setting up here, you know, piece by piece. Look at the individuals that he's put in the Pentagon that's in charge of the national security. These are these are staunch amateurs. These guys have no no ability to be in those positions right there. So what do you think? What 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 do you think that the Iranians are doing? What do you think that the Russians are doing? What do you think that every country in the world is doing? They're sitting back saying, you know what? He is weakening them even more. And at some point, at yeah. some point, yeah, you know, pe- people still villainize America. So when Joe Biden and his administration comes on, he's going to have to work just as hard just to restore what this guy has already defunct. But to sit yeah. back and, and pull America out of this treaty here is deliberate. And, and there again, you don't have anyone, anyone that's speaking up saying, look, this guy is deliberately jeopardizing 
sabotaging America's national security. And all of these American troops that he talked about, you know, how much, you know, he's a patron, how much he loves. Okay, these are the ones that's going to be on the front line. These are the ones that's going to be exposed. These are the ones that will potentially die. And, Jay, I think it's sad, man, because he's putting our comrades, he's putting our comrades in jeopardy for his foolishness. You're right about that. And, and, you know, his, his, him just being a, 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 a cynical reprobate and is shameless. And for every person who sits there and still out there, you know, pounding on this Trump, Trump four more years, I, I, for life of me, I can't understand it. 75 I, I can't million even, people Johnny. voted for this guy. 75 million people. 75 million people. And they're the ones who call themselves two Americans. Shame yeah, on but them. you know what, though? But, but, but here's the deal. I mean, but, but, you know, Joe Biden has gone over 81 million people who voted for him. So, you know, people talk about how Trump has gotten them the second most. The reason why he has the second most is because people had to really come out and make sure we put this guy down. Did we get, I don't know if we have Jerome's audio back. I'm going to get his comments before we get to the next segment. Jerome, are you back with us? Uh, I've been here. Can you hear me? Okay, so so go ahead, man. Finish your comment because you, you faded out on us a little bit. Go ahead and finish your statement, which you were saying earlier. Uh, you talking to me? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Because I, I was <laughs> talking, I didn't know if you guys heard me. Um, you know, I've, I've heard about. I mean, I I obviously read about the Open Skies Treaty and and all of that stuff, and that is pretty much the sickest thing that you can do is to turn against the people who put you in a certain position, right? So I don't care if you're head of the Catholic Church or the Boy Scouts or whatever. When you start betraying the people who put you in power, that's crazy, right? And so I don't understand why um, anybody who supported that fool would not pay attention to what he's doing now and not understand that that is truly what treason is. It's turning, turning against your country. So, um, not, you know, that plane is able to detect particles that can tell that if you detonated a nuclear weapon. I mean, it can, it just really sniffs that stuff out of the air. And for us to have to rebuild one of those things is going to set us back and it's going to help out other countries. Now, I hope not that I hope, but when they start going through his taxes and find out his tax liability and how much money he's gotten from Russia, I don't know what it is that you can do as a country to say, we now know that his, his beholding to Russia and all these moves that he made is helping Russia. What do we do about that? I mean, the first thing they have to do is take away his security clearance, for one, after he gets out. Like he, That's Biden's choice that if you he, think he he'll, do that? he'll get... Um, huh? You think they're going to do that? Yeah, yeah. There's no well, way he's a security risk. First yeah. of all, he talked too much well, when he was when he was when he was in power. So I can't imagine yep. the briefings. Like, why do you need him? Like, he's not being helpful to anybody. So you give security briefings to people who you know figure strategically. You might have to bring up the speed to make decisions. I don't think anybody's ever right. calling him for tax. So. You know, we we have a we have to look at it a little bit differently um, and kind of deal with him accordingly. He's an abomination to a, to a system, so you don't say, "Well, traditionally, here's what we did, so we should still do it." He didn't do anything that we traditionally do anyway. So it is right. it's pretty sick. And I think when they start adding up all of these things that he's been doing, especially 
when they go into those departments. That's why he they said he's up to they they floated that he wants to give twenty six pardons. I mean he's gonna have to pardon um Ben Carson at HUD. Who knows how much money they stole over there? Betsy Duvall who's best in private um um charter schools. Who knows how much money she took from the Department of Education and started filtering to her friends. Like all of this stuff when it comes out it is going to take up the first year and a half of Biden's administration just, um, you know, cleaning up mess that they did. So hopefully mm. he overwhelms the system with things that are righteous so that the Republicans can't seem to fight all these things on, on all these fronts. Because we have a tendency to say, hey, let's do this and then do this, like, you know, President Obama did. Let's do this and then do this. Um, Trump just flooded the system with all of this nonsense, you know, selling um, land in Alaska for drilling. And then he starts doing other stuff, like just selling off to his friends. You know, we, I don't know how we're going to find out what he did with the EPA and what they're trying to do with the Pentagon and all of this other stuff. Like, this is not Trump. Trump's not that smart. He doesn't, he's not, he can't juggle all this stuff. He just has a bunch of corrupt people that work for him. So they're just helping out whoever their donors are. And by the time we find this stuff out, I mean, there's going to have to be, uh, you know, I'm glad he's pardoning some people because they need to make room in jail to put some of them fools in there. <laughs> That's pretty good. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. Interesting. Like you guys said, this guy is just so he has to be one of the most un-American presidents who's ever graced. I'm not going to say grace whoever uh, just walked this planet. It's unbelievable that people are sitting back watching this man destroy this country and saying nothing because they're scared of his face. And like Vanessa said earlier, all these dumb people who are giving this guy the money, it's interesting. But I will tell you this. I did do an experiment over the past three days where I didn't watch anything. I didn't watch anything when it came to news. I, I purposely avoided all that information, and I, because I just wanted to see why people are walking around, you know, people that I call low information voters, and I can see how. If you're not paying attention to it, you have no clue as far as what's going on, and it's a shame. So people really need to step up and really turn, you know, step up their game and, and pay attention to what the hell's going on. All right, last week we talked about in three minutes or less. We did a part. We did part one of a series on black farmers, and I read some of the comments throughout the week. People were really impressed and wanted to know more. So I'm going to change it, and we're going to do a three-part series on black farmers. So this week, we're going to feature part two, because I think it's important for people to understand that there are black farmers. There are people out there who are, you know, black and who are out there harvesting, and the things that the president has done has hurt them as well. So it's time for this week's edition of Informant. So that's something that you need to know, part two of a three-part series featuring black farmers here in the U.S., We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the TGRS Radio Network, online radio at its best. His father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather have worked this land in Southside, Virginia, since the days of enslavement. But could the president's trade war with China cost John Boyd and his family their farm?
farming is in my blood. My daddy was a farmer, my grandfather was a farmer, my great-grandfather was a slave who, who worked in very, very lands in Mecklenburg County, Virginia. And I was partly raised by my grandfather. His name was Thomas Ford. He said land was everything. And he said, if I took care of the land, the land would always take care of you. He said, every step you take, every step you make, you need land. So you can either be on somebody else's or you can be on your own. John Boyd says the last two years have almost broken him. Do you think you could lose your farm? Yes. Yes, I can lose my farm uh, at these prices. China has already cut its purchases of American soybeans by 70%, according to a University of Minnesota survey. That's about $4 billion gone. And China is threatening to go to zero. Last year, Boyd says he left his crop rotting in the fields because he could not find anyone to buy it. This year, with his soybeans ready for harvest, the price is 50% lower than the highs of a few years ago. Uh, in this part of the country, uh, since tobacco has went out, uh, since the, uh, the peanut program went out, there really hasn't been a major cash crop. And then came along, you know, soybeans. When they peaked out at $16.80 and, and a bushel, and I'm going to tell you the truth, I made some money. You made some money at $16 yes. a bushel? Yes, I did. At $8 a bushel, at half that, at you're half losing that. money. I'm losing money. The president has set aside $28 billion to help farmers hit by the trade war. And the farmers are very happy, and they want me to continue this fight. They want me to win the fight, and we're going to win the fight. The small farmers, like myself, have seen very little from the payout. As I stand here, I received $6,800. And that no way covers it's your nothing. cost. It's less than one truckload of soybeans. The president says, just hold on. We're going to end up in a better place. We can hold on. We can hold on. In the 1920s, there were nearly one million black farmers in America, according to a survey from the USDA. This year, the survey found fewer than 46,000, and black farmers feared the trade war will cost even more of them a chance to make a living off the land. This is where I rode my tractor uh, to Washington. Boyd has spent decades fighting for the dwindling number of African Americans still working the soil. This is uh, my, my mule ride to Washington, D.C. And you rode that mule right, 17 train. days. 17 days right. from here from to, to the Capitol. Right, to the Capitol. Right now, he is mad at both Republicans and Democrats. Mark Warner and Tim Kaine. They've done doodly squat to help us on, on this trade war, where they should be speaking out against it. The Virginia senators insist that they have been fighting and will keep speaking out. Boyd and his wife, Kara, are now trying something they never thought they would try. Farmers like myself are desperate, so we want to try new creative ways to, to make money. And I'm trying hemp, which I never thought I would be growing as as a, a farmer here in the, in the United States, sitting in my truck, I'm telling you that I'm planting a cousin to, to marijuana to, to, to make a living. So there's many, many uses uh, for him, but uh, it remains to be seen of whether it would take the place of a major cash, cash crop. As bad as things are, don't give up. 
Don't give up in what you believe in. Don't give up in hope. Uh, Put your faith in God. Welcome back at three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's uh, twenty minutes after twenty minutes before the hour. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rowe Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network online radio. And this is part two of a three part series. The final part will be next week. Uh, black farmers. It's uh, something that uh, we definitely need to make sure we pay attention to and keep our eyes on. All right. Today is the Sunday morning roundtable where we uh, allow or ask our panelists to bring topics to the table and uh, you know as it always works it's time to hear from the lady of the house so let's get on with the next topic of the morning all right Vanessa uh, what are we uh, what are we talking about this morning for this particular segment first let me say that thank you for doing a broadcast on the black farmers, because when I saw the interview with the black farmer, Jay, and he cried because Trump did not invite the black farmers to sit round table when he went to them, I I cried with him. So thank you for um, doing that broadcast, because Trump did not invite the black farmers to sit round table with him to see what he could do to help them. So... What you say, J.D., reprobate? Okay, so anyway, I think think my uh, topic is going to be the vaccine. I called um, my pulmonary, because I have such bad respiratory issues, I called my pulmonary doctor. They said they will not be the one dispensing it. I take uh, allergy shots. I used to take them six shots a month. God is good. I'm down to one shot, but it takes me out the whole day when I take it. Um, So I called them, and they said that we will be getting the shot soon, but they don't know what's going to be the rule on having it um, passed out. So I guess my question is, since so many people, I'm not going to say so many people because I don't know what other people are thinking. People like my daughter and her age is thinking about um, back in the day when they gave black people the wrong shot to use us as guinea pigs. And, you know, my daughter's like, I'm not taking it. And Obama, Clinton, Bush getting together saying, we will take the shot, the vaccine, on TV when we feel that the shot is ready or, or Fauci says that it is a good shot. So I guess I'm kind of wondering what you all think about I personally uh, would like to take the shot after, um, I hate to say this, some other black people take the shot, and I say that because a lot of black people have not been tested for the vaccine to see how it works on African Americans with pre-existing conditions. But as soon as, I mean, and I never found out how many black people took it, but I am 
interested in taking the shot, but I do want to take the one from McDermott, the one that you do not have to refrigerate. I say that because if y'all are listening to me, um, the one that is refrigerated is too much room for error. So if the nurse sits it out on the counter too long, then it might not work. And I think that is uh, a pharmaceutical chance. I'm not taking with a human being doing it. I'm going to take the McDermott shot, the one that is 94% or 95%, but it doesn't have to be refrigerated. So I think that people need to start paying attention. People need to start researching it and deciding which shot they want to take if they want to take it. I myself do want to take it, and I will be trying to get them to give my husband one as well because it's not going to do any good for me to take the shot and him not to take the shot. So I just want you all to think about that. So I want to know what other people think about it. Have anyone on the panel even started researching it? to see which shot they're interested in taking. So that's where I am today on my topic. Okay. So there it is. It's the vaccine. Uh, I was watching something on uh, television the other day where they were sending groups out to canvas African-American communities asking them, uh, will they take the virus? And surprisingly, a lot of them, Maybe I should say not surprisingly. A lot of them are like, no, I'm not taking it. You know, they could be trying to do something to us. And I want to start this conversation off with Jerome. And the reason why is because I know, Jerome, you know, we talked about the Tuskegee experiment against African-American men. And, um, you know, so do you blame African-Americans for, you know, not wanting to take the virus because of, you know, past experience, as their past experiences with our government and things that have been done to us back in the day that, uh, you know, the government tried to hide. So what are your thoughts on Vanessa's topic, uh, the vaccine? And I guess the question is, after you answer that question, are you going to take it? All right. Well, the the vaccine, okay, so we have a really bad history of um you know, black people in in the medical industry, I should say, and the government. So I don't like that. I try to make black people seem like we're crazy when black people say they're not taking it. Because it's not only the Tuskegee experiment that, that ended in the 70s, by the way, right? That was a long study that they were giving people syphilis. But it's not just black men. They put radiation in Similac, where they were testing out radiation on babies, Right. We did that in this country. Not only did that not stop happening, we know that they sterilized some of those kids in the ICE facilities as well. So they did that this past yes. couple of years that we're sterilizing people. So you know, sometimes you don't know what's in those vaccines. And um, we have rights. Like, don't make black people seem like black folks just being crazy and blah, blah, blah. The issue is is that this country has a history of that, and you really cannot trust it. So there's something to be said about that. And and as far as the Moderma-Pfizer issue, I would rather take the uh, AstraZeneca one, right? Because that does not – first of all, it was made like traditional vaccines, the one that was in England, and it was – it doesn't require the, the tight refrigeration process either. And that study was also pretty extensive. I know there's other problems, but 
we like to use American companies, which, again, gives us pause because of the CDC and their relationship with all this other stuff. Now, as far as the Moderna Pfizer um, comparison. That's two different uh, companies now, Jerome. I know. I'm going to tell you the difference between You know what the nurse them. told me, Jerome? She said we're not, we might not have a choice. Ain't that crazy? Yep, that is crazy because they should, being that the complicated history that they have with black people, they need to give black people a choice. If you want black people to take something, give us a choice. Because the Pfizer vaccine actually had more black people in the study than the Moderna one did. So there was a good amount of black people in the Pfizer one that actually worked on black people. So I'm more likely to take the Pfizer if I was to take one than the Moderna because of where their numbers are as far as black people are concerned. Now, the issue is, and then the Pfizer one was private as well, right? And, you know, the hospital where I am, um, the infectious disease people actually worked on the Pfizer one in, the, in my area. But not that I trust it because those nuts did it. I'm just saying that I know more about the study that was done on the Pfizer than I do the Moderna. But the, the issue is, uh, well... And if Kathleen, if you're listening, I would prefer um, Dr. Gentilise. Um, if we, I'll, I'll see what we can do to get her on the show. She's a botanist and she studies this stuff. We can get her on the show. If she tells me to take one of those, I will take it because she said it. Because I know that that's her field. That's what she studies. She looks at the research and she looks at the um, at what they're putting out. And we need somebody reputable as Black people. Get her on the show. Yeah, I'll, I'll send her a note. But I, if she told well, me no, no, that it was cool, no. I would do that. But more importantly, I am not, under no circumstances, taking a shot where all black people take shots at either. Because if you know anything about how they do vaccines, they send certain lot numbers to certain communities. And I will not do that. <laughs> no, and that's not even a conspiracy theory. That's how they put radiation in Similac. I don't, I don't know who your doctor is, and I don't know his, who his primary um, um, population is. But how they send vaccines out to certain communities or how they poison certain communities, like I, I mentioned to a friend a long time ago, it's like opening a bag of potato chips. If you go into a grocery store in a, in, a, in a suburban white area and get a big bag of potato chips, right, and then go to a... a a corner store in a predominantly black or minority area, get one of the small 25-cent bags, open both bags, and I guarantee you, you'll find more burnt potato chips in that small 25-cent bag than you will in the big bag. And you know why? <laughs> because they separate them by lot numbers. But all the potato chips that are burnt or that don't pass quality control, they send them in a separate lot and they put them in those small bags. So if we don't know how they distribute stuff, why would we take a chance on them? We should not trust them. But there may be a reason why we need to take the vaccine, but we need to know which vaccine to take and which one that they're forcing on us. And if there is no law that makes you take a vaccine either, they can't do that in this country. Now, they can restrict their movement for not taking a vaccine, but you can't make them. So now they need to go through this, oh, Obama's getting a vaccine and looking safe. And it's like, yeah, you don't know what the heck Obama's getting opposed to what you're getting either. <laughs> we have a reason to be suspicious. 
So I, I would like to know, you know, I mean, I don't know if there's any way to tell what it, is, what it is that you're getting in your body, but we need to be skeptical. We need to be smarter. Well, right? the doctors, <laughs> you know what, Jerome, the nurses, the firefighters, the police people, because, Jay, our vaccines are going to come to Houston next week. And the nurses, where I go, because I'm always in and out the doctor's office, but when I say doctor's office, y'all, I don't mean a little personal little office that you go into. I go into a big healthy SIBO clinic. I don't know if y'all have it where y'all are, but anyway. Um, they are saying that it's going to be here next week. And doctors, lawyers, I mean doctors, EMTs, police, that's who's getting it first. And so the young man who lives across the street from me is a police officer. And I told him, and he said, it's Vanessa, I'm scared, but I'm going to let the other black people take it first at the police department that I'm at, and then I'm going to see how they feel after a week or two, and then I'm going to take it. So I'm kind of, I'm not stupid to it, Jerome, uh, and what they can do to me, uh, but I am going to be talking to a lot of black nurses that's going to have to take it before me, and some black doctors, because i got a lot of those, that's going to have to take it before me. So yeah. I'm going to get with some of them to know how it is and how it's going to affect me because I have so many pre-existing conditions and my doctors are already saying they're not going to have it. So I don't think that I'm going to have an issue with going to a place with all black people taking it. That's not going to happen with me. But uh, I right, guess but I'm going to be sitting back watching other black people take it. Yeah, but that's why I was saying the Pfizer one had, a, a you know, I think it was in the thousands. I think they had more than a few hundred black people. They had a lot of yeah. people in the study. Because so, I know they, they, did, they did a lot of people here in Chicago with that one, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so the, the only one that I know has been really sampled with black people is the Pfizer. Not the Moderma, not the, um, I don't even know about the AstraZeneca, um, but I know that the, um, the Pfizer one. And, and one of the things I want to say about that is when probably the yeah, I know, but it's one of the things I want to say about that is, that is it's refrigerated. It's room for error. That's yeah, I know. I know, because remember I did the story on this show about the 50, or what is it, 50,000 people who were sterilized in Israel, the black folks that were sterilized, and the 500,000 people who were sterilized in Kenya because the Bill Gates Foundation and the World Health Organization said, oh, we left them on a truck too long, and they, the vows went bad. They sterilized some people on purpose. And they said, oh, no, no, we just didn't have it refrigerated, so it went bad. But I want to say this. Your doctor's offices, for the people who are first getting the vaccines, I'm sure, not sure, but I would be more likely to think that those vaccinations are going to go well. I am worried about the ones that they're going to start sending out to Walgreens and CVS and be like, oh, this going like you're getting your flu shot. I would worry about those more than the first batches that come out, because once they start, once it starts curbing, the um, the actual pandemic starts winding down. I'm not, I wouldn't get a shot late, and I'm not getting it where they do herd shots. Like if they go, oh, we got a van coming up giving people shots. They ain't doing that. So I can just tell you, they're like, come on in. You can get your shot on a Tuesday. You ain't nobody doing that. So, yeah, we, <laughs> Sorry. we need to be careful. 
Alright, all right. We, we're really up against Alright, Johnny D, let me get some responses from you man, Before we get out of this segment And uh, Mr. Elliott, she can close us out Jay, you know And, and, and everyone else I'm just thankful that uh, God has put his hands on some, some scientists and some chemists In order to get us a vaccine um, You know, there's a lot of folks that have have passed uh, away uh, because of the virus, and it's a lot of folks that's going to have some ill effects, long-lasting effects. So the reality of it is, is that uh, I, I will be one who will uh, probably get mine sometime this month, to be quite honest, uh, based on, you know, what, what the governor has rolled out. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, like I say, anything that's going to safeguard myself and my children, um, because I'm, I'm in it every day. So, you know, if I can have any any precautions that won't spread or or harm myself and allow me an opportunity to have a quality of life, then I'm going to that's do so. Right. So, I'm, I'm, you know, and that's just my reality. All right. Well said, my friend, Mr. Elias, man. Closes out on this segment, if you don't mind. Well, you know something, man? Jerome said something earlier about Kathleen, and I'm going to defer my time to Kathleen, man, because, uh, you know, if she could bring the young lady on the show that Jerome was talking about, I would love that, you know. So I'm going to defer my time oh, wow. to Miss Kathleen Williams, my sorrow, the lady um, uh, that I love so much. So, Kathleen, uh, the floor is yours. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you, Fred. Love morning. you, too. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, everybody. Kathleen. Uh, good <laughs> how morning. are you all doing? I am just... Uh, Jerome, absolutely. I will get the message to Dr. Gentle today. I actually am going over to see her in just a little bit, and Good. I will uh, let her know that she's been requested uh, for the show, uh, Jay. So you just let me know what the details are with regards to timing and what time you'd like her to be on or whatever. And well, I'll not do, a I do know. She, yeah, I do. She works on Sundays um, all day. So she'd have to carve out, you know, whatever time you would like her to be on. So I will uh, speak to her about that. Even, even um, if she can get us word, does it's fine. I just, I just wanted to know from her what she thought. So, I mean, sure. if you can't impede on her time, I just, you know, felt that. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Absolutely. I will. I'll do that today, and um, send you all a note. And then the other thing I wanted to share with you, just informationally is about a gentleman that I would highly recommend that you all cover. Uh, I mean, not cover, but follow. And his name is Dr. Lane Rawlings. You probably may have, uh, Rawlings, you may have heard of him. He's Jordan Rawlings' father. Uh, yep. You all probably know Jordan. Um, she is one of the probably most, one of the, uh, one of the very popular uh, video bloggers and bloggers in the black community. Um, but her dad is a, I won't call him a rocket scientist, but definitely a scientist and physician, surgeon. And he has, uh, he works in infectious diseases and has for many, many years, um, has traveled the world giving um, vaccines and studying Ebola and all these other things. And he is, I actually watched him live last night on a friends and networking event um, uh, hosted by a very good friend of mine, uh, Jackie Hicks, photographer Jackie Hicks. 
And Dr. Rowling talked about the vaccine. He talked about the virus. He talked about COVID-19, where it came from, how it uh, started, how it got here, um, the course of it, and what he knows about the virus. So I would highly recommend that you follow him. He's a, you can look him up at denverurbanspectrum.com. DenverUrbanSpectrum.com, and if you if you Google him, uh, you'll find him easily. And he has a serious radio program. Um, I think it's called Dr. Lane Rowling, but you can look it up there. Any all of the questions that we talked about here, um, with regards to African Americans and the vaccine, um, and what Jerome and Vanessa were just talking about, which companies included the highest numbers of African-Americans in their studies and in their testing. Um, I know he did mention one to 2,000 African-Americans included in one of the studies, and Jerome, I think, just confirmed that as being Pfizer, I think. I'm not sure. Um, But I don't have that specific information, and I'm not here to say, you know, I, I, I am precluded from saying what I think about it personally, but I do think that if you look at what Dr. Rollins has to say and listen to Dr. Gentles, who I will make sure is available to you even for just a few minutes, um, you'll be able to get at least that side in addition to what you hear in the media. All right, sounds good. I appreciate it, Kathleen. Didn't know you were there. Sorry about that. Uh, I mean, definitely, the more information we can get to our community uh, about this disease and about this pandemic. I think it's important. And, uh, you know, one of the things that bothers me is when we see folks that are not taking this seriously. I went out somewhere and I was stopping by to see a friend and I walked into this area and the guy walks up to me and says, hey, listen, he said, "Uh, you know, if you're not comfortable wearing a mask, we practice social distancing in here. If you're not comfortable wearing a mask, you can take it off. And I kind of looked at him like, are you serious? But this is what we're dealing with. And and so, you know, the more the merrier. The more we can get the message out to people, the more we can educate the masses. I think it's important. So uh, kudos. And, you know, just let me know. Uh, And folks who are listening, this is the sausage-making part of the show. (laughs) That's why I think people listen to us, because we lay it out there, folks. So, yeah, let me know. And we'll definitely, you know, the doctor will work with their time. And uh, we're very flexible. You let me know. And, and uh, we would okay, definitely uh, do that. Absolutely. All right. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. It's the Sunday morning roundtable. Thank you guys for being here. We're going to step out, take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the serious side of the J. Rowell Show. Coming up next, we're going to hear from Johnny D. And we're going to get Jerome and everybody else. So Sunday morning. Conversation continues after a short, short word. Chevrolet, located in Perlin, Texas, to say good morning to the Car Connect. Lolita, what's going on, girl? How you doing? I'm well. Happy holidays, Jay and the crew. Well, going <laughs> on right now, 
going on right now is Chevy employee pricing. That means you pay what we pay, not a cent more. You can get $8,500 off on a 2020 Silverado. So everyone wants a proper Christmas, right? Hmm. Right. We also have a large selection of pre-owned vehicles starting from $10,000 up to $95,000. We have this amazing limited edition 2020 high-performance Tesla. That baby goes from 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. So how do we get in contact with you? What's your contact information? I can be reached on Facebook or Instagram at Nolita of the Car Connect. And as always, I can be reached at Bayway Chevrolet, 5719 Broadway, Pearland, Texas. You are listening to the TJRS Radio Network. All right, well, good. So now, just in case, I want to make sure that you get enough time because I know sometimes we run out of time. So... Once again, give us the information one more time, how we can get in contact with you, and, you know, what people need to do in regards to, uh, you know, if they want to reach you. If people walk up on the lot, because I know people ask this question all the time, well, if I go to the lot, can I get with Nolita? No, you need to tell them exactly how they get in contact with you and how they deal with you to get your business, girlfriend. So break it down. Give you another 90 seconds. It's all yours. Oh, Lord. Okay. So people want if people so people can't go online and try to find you, right? So basically if a customer's coming on the lot and they want to talk to you, how exactly do they get in contact with you so you can get the sale? Well, they just ask for me. Everyone knows me. So they just ask for no leader. That's right. So you talked about this Tesla limited edition. Oh, my goodness. So if people wanted to see it, can they go to a website? Can they go to your Facebook page? I want to see it right now during the commercial break. So steer me <laughs> in that direction. How do I see that car like right now? Well, right now I do have it featured on my Facebook page and my Instagram page. That baby is bad. Now, on Monday I'll take a video. It was too dark yesterday for me to post a video. But I'll post a video on the interior and exterior of that car, just the way the door handles. Oh, my God. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. What color is it? Candy apple red. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. Okay. I just saw it in my mouth. Well, Mr. Elias wants to buy that car. <laughs> All right, so one more time. Give us contact information one more time. Address, hold on, yards. Bayway Chevrolet, 5719 Broadway, Paraland, Texas. You can find me in the pre owned vision division. You are listening to the PJRS Radio, 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 Radio Network. All right, sweetie. Thank you. We'll check you out.
I hope you know for sure that I realize all the things you do, girl, tonight I'm gonna cook your favorite
Welcome back in 347-850-1272. It's the Sunday Morning Roundtable on the serious side of the J. Rouse Show, which happens every Sunday morning right here on the TJRS Radio Network, online radio in its best. And as usual, we want to say good morning to our peeps in the house and say good morning to all the ladies in the house. First up, my big sister's in the house. What's going on, Vanessa? Good morning. How are you? Oh, good morning, good morning, everybody. Ready to hear that information from Miss Kathleen? That's going to be great. That is going to be great. Can't wait till that person gets on the show. Speaking of Miss Kathleen, she is in the house. You know, it's one of those situations where we celebrate her because you never know when she can stay and hang out with us. So good morning, Kathleen. Welcome back in. How are you? Oh, thank you so much. I'm doing good this morning. How's everybody? doing well, hopefully out there in radio land. The man who I call the educator brother himself, the one and only Mr. Johnny D in the place to be. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. I'm doing well. Doing well. Smartest man in the world, Mr. Jerome Spree is in the hizzy. What's going on, Jerome? How are you? I'm good, man. How you doing? Just another day in paradise, my brother. And my brother from another mother, the only one and only Mr. L to the E to the S. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, Hawk. Good morning, my brother Jerome. Good morning, good morning, good morning, morning. Kathleen. <laughs> good morning, Vanessa. Good morning, Momo B. Good morning, Rich Sister. And good morning to Mariana Music. And Mariana Music, that was Mike Williams. Uh, you deserve a break. All right. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Elias. Can we say hello to some folks in the chat room, if you don't mind? Uh, yeah, we got uh, Rich Sister in the chat room with us. Uh, Covina, man, my brother Covina, man, was in there. Anna, Anna and I was in there. And uh, dumbass Boba Bright is in there. This is the dumbest cat in the world, man. Wow. Wow, well, there you go. I, I That's his name. I dummy is. Dumbass. Well, yeah. there it is. Dumbass. All right. All right. The pastor's in the house. Uh, a lot of people. Freddie, uh, Alice, a lot of folks are listening online. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for being a part of what we do. Before we get into our final topic, uh, well, not a final topic, because we want to try to fit two in. Johnny D is next on the on the ballot. But let's let's go, let's get. Uh, looks like uh, Steve's in the house. Let's uh, get some words from Steve here. Looks, looks like he's been holding for a minute. Good morning, Steve. What's going on, man? What's on your mind? Real quick. Yes, sir. Back again, folks. What people have to understand is that we weren't raised like the trillion dollar elites were raised. We weren't raised from a young birth to worship Satan like they were raised to worship Satan. Millions have died around the world due to starvation from the lockdowns. To the elite, that's seen as a human sacrifice. So this vaccine is going to be a biological weapon. The nation of Islam, they're declaring war against anyone that tries to force them to take it. Don't blame them. So, wow. now, as far as the vaccine, hey, you've been warned. I, you know, you've been warned about the vaccine. Are you going to take it? So, are you going to take it? No, sir. The Washington Post, two-thirds of Americans are not going to take the vaccine. That's according to the Washington Post. Right. No, I no, tell you what, sir. Steve, we got to get moving. I tell you what, Steve, let's do this. I want to talk to you about this. Why don't you call Tech next week? I want to find out from people like you and others why you're not going to take it. Now, I, I, we've talked about some certain things on this show, the reason why people are suspect of it. But uh, it's interesting. I want to dig deep in the minds of those who are saying, look, we're not going to take it. And, you know, break it down because this country is made up of many nationalities, many, you know, folks, different thoughts. 
one of the reasons why we talk to different people on this show. I'm just curious as to why Steve is not going to take the virus. And uh, and anyone else out there who may want to call in with an opinion on that, I definitely want to talk to you and find out why you don't want to take it. And we're giving you some information on the show where you need to take consideration. We talked about what happened with the Tuskegee experiment and, you know, Jerome talked about the Simulac. You know, we tell you these things because we just want to make sure you're armed with the information you need uh, as far as making a decision. But hopefully the doctor will come on and help us understand some things. And, uh, you know, I just can't wait to uh, get her on and can't wait to talk to some of you folks who are adamant that you're not going to take it. All right, time for our last, well, time for one of our last topics of the morning. All right, John, man, what's uh, what's going on, man? What's on your mind? You know, Jay, uh, I, I may open up that that window for those conversations to take place. You know, I, I when when I saw this morning where it was the roundtable and uh, just knowing the state of of being that's going on, I, I had this long rollout about the the state of mental health uh, because emotionally people are going through some some things and. Uh, yeah. You know, here recently, you know, I, I was dealing with one of, one, one, one of my my employees, and uh, like I say, basically have have become a recluse uh, as the pandemic has has basically uh, devastated uh, devastated this individual from from a family standpoint, as far as mm. members of his family, and then of course uh, just the phobia and the fear, and you know, the mental health component is strong. I, I was reading early in the in, in the week uh, when 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 I was speaking with him and again it you know for the first time in a long time I I began to weep as I as I looked at the faces of, of those individuals who are struggling and in pain. There's not a day that you don't see someone on the news that's going through it. There's not a day that I'm not emotionally engaged with someone that's that's going through some things. So, you know, again, I'll, I'll I'll open up that window. But the mental health aspect of it is strong. The economic aspect of it is playing a toll. The death is paying a toll. So we are in a state where, you know, if you have it to give, um, if you have it to give, don't worry about what's going to. If you if you if you celebrate the holiday season, you know, don't worry about what's going to be up under your tree. Let's just make sure that we out there to touch someone's life in a positive way. And let's make sure that we give, um, you know, the angel tree for, for young people, you know, just everything that you can do to, to benefit and help someone that's, that's a lot less fortunate because it's people out there struggling, you know, yesterday at the church, you know, we, you know, we, we do a lot of things at the church on Saturdays for the community and it's people out there struggling. It's people out there going through some things. But like I said, early in the week when, when I talked to uh, uh, this employee and just to see, to, to know that, you know, you know, this person has been out of work since since April. And to see, to just actually see that person and see how their appearance has just totally changed and literally has been, like, like you know, again, uh, just a recluse in his home. I mean, he, he is 
basically imprison himself in, in his home because of all of the things that's going on. And it's just painful to see. So, again, I, I was going to talk about, you know, mental health in the African-American community, uh, you know, the economic challenges that's facing, you know, people, black unemployment. You know, the study also talked about 10.3% of 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 the, the, the nearly 35 million people that's out of work, uh, you know, 10.3% of, of, of African-American. And then you look at high school, high school dropouts, the, the unemployment rate is 9%. So there's the disparities. Uh, so everything that, that uh, you know, that, that you can look at in regards to, you know, the African-American community and the challenges that this pandemic has just, you know, has been polarizing, but also it has really manifest to see some of our vulnerabilities within our community. Well, that's that's deep. All right, let's start the conversation right there. I think what you're saying, Johnny, uh, I mean, I appreciate you bringing this to the table because this is uh, difficult times for a lot of people. And when you look at uh, the pandemic and, uh, you know, how it has an effect on folks, people who have lost multiple members of their family. I was reading something the other day where five children lost both their parents within a two-week span. Um, you know, and unless you are some hypocrite and some big tough guy, it, it brings tears to the eyes. It, it, it really, I can't tell you how much I've cried uh, throughout the past uh, few months because of uh, knowing people who have gone through some of the worst uh, and experiencing things myself. It's just been a tough, tough, tough time for a lot of people. So I appreciate you bringing it on the table. And uh, let's, um, you know, Mr. Elias, we didn't hear from you last segment, I don't think. Let's, we didn't hear from you at least. Uh, go ahead and let's start right there with uh, what Johnny just mentioned about, uh, you know, mental health and, you know, the fact that if you're going through things that you've never gone through in your life, from a mental standpoint, it can have an adverse effect on you as well. So let's just uh, let's talk about that a little bit, and I definitely want to talk to Jerome as well and, and uh, get his topic on what's on his mind this morning. But go ahead, Michelle, let's just, uh, let's get the conversation going. Well, you know, something that it's a great topic, man, because you know, man, I you know I've seen my family, but I have not been able to interact with them. And uh, I, you know, many people know that my mother passed in January, but I also have another mother here, and that's Miss Dorothy Nevels, and I would you know. Me, me, me and her, had, I, I'm, I'm starting a tradition with her where we, we travel, you know, and I, we just take a plane ride somewhere, man. That, that, that that's one so thing sweet. that I'm missing this year, you know. So, I mean, th- these are things that I miss, man. I mean, I haven't been around my family in almost a, a year, man. I have not been able to interact with my family, and I, I don't go around them because of the people that I work with. I had a guy that went to the Dominican Republic for Thanksgiving and felt it was okay. It's just, I mean, these are the things that you that you really don't think about, man. It's a lonely existence to sit in a house and not be able to interact with your family. So I understand what Johnny is saying. It's the, the mental aspects of it. There's so, only so much you can do to keep yourself occupied. You know, I, I, I told a guy at work, I said, man, you know, I mess up a room so I can come back and clean it up. And it's only so much cleaning you can do. There's only so much stuff you can do in your home. You know, and, and, and it's just, it's to that point, man, where the, the, it's draining mentally. I haven't had a haircut in almost a year. 
it's just mentally draining on your life, man. Ooh, I want to see that picture. I, I sent it to you earlier, Vanessa. You didn't look at it, though. But, hey, that's all right. Um, uh, it's just, it, it is just it's harsh. And I understand what Johnny is saying because you don't. I, right now, I don't have a life. And, and, and this is the first year that I have, ne- as an adult, I have never hopped on a plane and went anywhere. I'm an avid traveler. I'm not like Vanessa. You know, of course, nobody's like the world traveler, Vanessa, but I like to get out and go. I'll, I'll hop on a plane in a minute. It don't bother me to do that. But it is just, it, it is it is draining to not be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it, man. This has taught me to value my family a lot more. When I can be able to sit around, I just get up to my family and hug on them, you know, and, and, and you know, man, kiss my family that I haven't seen and I've seen and been around in a year or so, man. It's just it's just draining, man. It's mentally draining. It is. You know, you know, Jerome, um, when we talk about um, the mental uh, impact that this um, pandemic is having on people, this is just a bad time. And the reason why I say that, you know, listen, I, you, you lost your mother. You know, I lost my, my, my pops earlier in the year. Mr. Elias lost his mom um, this year. And... Um, you know, this pandemic, it can feel like a like the walls are closing in on you because you can't be a part of people. During the grieving process, you know, that's when you need people to be in your life. That's when you need to be able to hug folks. That's when you need to be able to just say, let me go out and visit friends to feel better. And because of the pandemic, you're isolated. And so it makes things worse. So if you're isolated, you, you lose a loved one, you, you don't have a job, you, you, you're trying to find ways to make ends meet, this can be a very detrimental time. And what type of future impact will this have on our kids? You know, a lot of our kids are going to miss almost two years of just in-person schooling. How does that set us back from an educational standpoint, my friend? Yeah, you know, there's um, there's a lot of things that's going to I don't, you know, I don't know how to even say this, but we're such short-term thinkers that people don't like to think through long-term impact for anything, right? We just came, I mean, we're not finished with that administration yet, but we we have a a country that is a, you know, we, we had a guy who was running the country who is pretty much a, a low D student, right? Short-term thinker, not a critical thinker at all. Um, it kind of passes itself off to those people who don't want to wear a mask and um, who believe that they're they're um, they're um, I don't know what the word is, but just that they can take anything. We have to reevaluate who we are as people, and we need to let our humanity kick back in. Because everyone is isolated, you know, I pretty much have a bunch of conversations because, uh, or, you know, a bunch of phone calls because I know that there are other people isolated beside me that we need to sit there and understand the mental health impact of not even hearing somebody's voice for a whole day, right? And so we have to kind of engage and be more affirming when it comes to our connection to each other opposed to waiting for that connection because the only person that some people see most of the time is their mailman and that's it because everybody is going into isolation so yeah it, it's going to have a, a an effect on us 
that we can't even see coming because the people who are naturally isolated um, end up being, you know, I don't want to be extreme on this, but, you know, people have, like, you know, serial killer mentality. Like, when you stay in your head with your own thoughts for too long, it will do something to you mentally. You know, we we outlawed or, or ruled against having um, solitary confinement for a good reason. It's not humane. So everybody is pretty much in solitary confinement when you can't even go to the store or you're not getting out and you're not talking to your neighbors because you're um, fearful of a virus, that it is preying on us. And we need to see how it is working on individuals. We need to check on each other because people, you won't find out that somebody's depressed until it's too late. We can mask that stuff pretty good. And uh, we need to just keep checking on each other. It's the only thing I can say. But I don't know how what the impact is going to be, but it is going to be an impact. Yeah, I think so. It's going to have a long-term impact. You know, Vanessa, um, so many people are struggling, and I know that when you look at it from, you know, from your perspective, you know, you're a person that owns houses and things of that nature, you know, you have to do certain things. I know Mr. Elias talked about this before as well, when you have folks who are, uh, really doing bad, and you, you, you know you have to find a way to try to help them. But at the same time, you know you have a livelihood you have to deal with. And you know, like Jerome talked about, there are some people who you know you don't see anybody. You see a male person, and you see them from afar. It's like if you're really going through a tough time right now, this is the absolute worst thing that can happen. Uh, to an individual because now you're isolated you have no way of reaching out to people to help you you are just in a bad spot and you know kudos to Johnny D and his church for what they're doing but Vanessa when you look at it you know some of the trials and tribulations you have to deal with from your perspective because I know you're a very caring person and I know that if there's a way to help people you would definitely do that because that's just your nature how, how do you cope with this and how do you deal with this environment and this pandemic that we're dealing with, not only from you know, your perspective, but also from the fact that you are a person that's considered high risk. You have to watch what you do every day because you don't want to end up a statistic uh, that we see on news and cable uh, news broadcast every, every day in the bottom right-hand corner, the number of deaths that this nation is experiencing because of the incompetence of this man who's in the White House. What say you? Let me start by saying to everyone who has lost a loved one, within this pandemic year um, or even in the last year that it's going to be very difficult. I have said this before uh, and I said it again, it's really hard and I think Les has seen it on my Facebook page where I was a little depressed. I was a little upset about not having ooh, about not having a mother, a father both of my brothers are deceased um, it is just me and my sister and my sister had COVID which brought us a little bit closer because we had been a little distant and so for me and Bobby and y'all gonna mess up my makeup for me and Bobby Bobby doesn't have any parents either and his siblings were twins and they passed away uh, and so for us to travel and I know people think it is crazy, but nothing, Bobby, I always go somewhere with this COVID. We travel and we go in our own travel trailer that is sanitized. 
so I don't have to worry about going in there with lights out whites like I'm going to have to do for Christmas. It has just been easier for me this year because it has been a hard year of me missing. I felt so alone not having my mother and my brothers this year and it's a lot of stuff going on in the family and I am trying to stay neutral and out of it and it's just craziness. So for me, Bobby is doing this for me to be gone during the holidays like I was for Thanksgiving, to be gone for Christmas. This is for me. Because I do year-round, and I, God, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I yeah. give food to the to the homeless dogs, and I have already taken food over there because so many people have turned their dogs and birds in to the Humane Society in Houston, and I have taken bags and bags of bird food, cat food, that little stuff, dog food, baby canned food for dogs who don't have anything. I have done and I have donated extra money to the mission at church because people are suffering they are laid off work they are not getting overtime some people's job a livelihood is based on overtime so I might not seem like I am that kind of person but I feel like I am blessed because I am that kind of person and as far as trying to help the people in my rent house I have not taken their rent up. I have, their leases are up, and I told them I was going to leave the leases like that until the beginning of the year, which is January, so their new leases will kick in, and I still didn't take it up a lot because people are not getting overtime. They're not able to uh, have the same lifestyle they had. So for those of us who, people at the sound of my voice who don't even go to church, give to that Salvation Army bell when you walk out the grocery store. Go take some bags of dog food, candy, little, whatever it is, over to the Humane Society in your state to help the animals who can't help themselves. Donate some extra money to a church in your area because there are a lot of people who are not tithing because they're not in the house of the Lord. So they feel like they don't have to give God their tithe. So I say all of this to say what Johnny D has said. Some people have some mental stuff from it, and I am one of those people who have anxieties when it comes around holidays. And this, these particular holidays have been extremely tough for me, and I have been around my family. I was with them yesterday out, but I don't go to their houses. I don't go around all of their grandchildren. We just might go do an activity together where we can social distance wear a mask, we put hand, bottles of hand sanitizer on the table. But that is how me and my family are trying to make it through the holidays in a pandemic. So I uh, apologize for crying, no. but no. this is where I am in my life to help other people. No. And I am trying to help other people at the same time, help myself. No. So, you have to apologize fun. for you don't have to apologize, Vanessa. You know, you have brothers and sisters. We love you more than you'll ever know. And uh, I just thank God every day that, uh, you know, 
know, I, I, I met you under the conditions of going to see my mother because she was having a brain tumor operation, you know, but uh, I guess that was God's way of connecting us. I am forever grateful for his mercy and grace for allowing me to be a part of your life. I love you so much. You just don't know it. Three four seven eight five zero. And Dave, one two and seven Dave. two. Uh, it's uh, thirty minutes after the hour. You're listening to the serious side. Uh, we're gonna do, we're gonna ch- gonna do chatterbox because we have a lot of comments. Can't read them all, but I, but I definitely want to swing around here. And uh, you know, Jerome, man, why don't you? Uh, what, what's on your mind this morning, brother? What, 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 what are you thinking about this morning? Um. <laughs> I don't, I'm not thinking about anything, man. You're gonna have to go go to someone else. Get LES again. Yeah, I, don't, I don't have anything in particular. Go to Kathleen. Well, you know Kathleen is. You know Kathleen is. Um, you know K- Kathleen. You can definitely share some words of inspiration. I understand your predicament. That's one of the reasons. Just for you guys who yep. maybe first time listeners, we're not ignoring our sister. We love her to death, but we know. Okay. I know she's. Okay, well, if that's the case, that's fine. But I know Kathleen is, you know, doing some things, and so, you know, she has to be very careful on some of the things that she said. But Kathleen, the floor is yours if there's anything you want to add to this uh, morning's uh, conversation. Well, sure. Um, Thank you. The the issue of mental health is, is so real. You know, I think at the beginning of this year, we saw mental health uh, calls to calls to domestic violence hotline almost quadrupled um, as we got into the uh, COVID pandemic and people became uh, more restricted to their households and couldn't get out, couldn't get away from abusers and abusers couldn't get away from those they're abusing. Um, and children were also stuck, right, because they were pulled out of school. So now they saw everything. So we've seen more uh, domestic violence calls, um, also seen an uptick in domestic violence incidences, very serious ones, um, people being murdered, uh, people being very, very badly be- beaten. We've also seen an increase in hate crime, you know, since this uh, COVID pandemic has taken over. So. It is a problem. It's a very serious problem. And people who have been on the border with regards to their mental health status have been a little bit tipped over right now as well because the other effect that we are seeing, the other, it, the other effect, of course, is that people cannot go readily or easily to a doctor's office or to a therapist's office. All of the non-elective, or elective rather, sorry, all all of the elective procedures and so on and so forth were canceled for a while. So people couldn't get to their therapist. People couldn't get to have a, you know, a visit with a psychiatrist as easily, you know. And then even if they did go to see a psychiatrist, then you're now behind not for lack of a better word, barricades. Everything is so different. So it is having a very... And then you have... So that's the more extreme, let's say. And then you have those people who are like, you know, Vanessa talked about and Miss Elias talked about who are feeling very isolated. It's at times like these. Times of 
uh, serious concern, worry, anxiety. These are the times where you want to be closer, not further away from your family. These are times when you really want to have relationships and be able to hug somebody, you know, or be with someone so that you're not alone in situations like this. And the interesting dynamic of this pandemic is that it has caused us to be more separate. So we're relying more on internet, we're relying more on Zoom calls and WebEx and Blue Jeans and all these other platforms where we can, you know, FaceTiming and all these other Google Hangouts to try and see our family members and loved ones. And while it is fantastic that it's available, it is no substitute. We realize now there is no substitute for touch. There's no substitute for touch. There's no substitute for actually being able to be within, uh, uh, you know, the immediate environment with your family, to feel their heartbeat, to be in their energy. And to be able to hug them and feel your love. We are human beings, and that is part of our experience, intimacy. And um, it's very difficult when you are without that. So I do encourage everyone. You can get um, telehealth, mental health conversations with um, therapists. You don't have to have your own therapist assigned or, you know, make it a big deal. There are a lot of services if you just call your your doctor, your mental health professional, or you can call the city. You can Google it and say, I just need somebody to talk to. Um, and, and do that if you feel like you need it. And you don't have to discuss it with friends and family if you feel concerned about that aspect. But don't hold all of the anxiety inside. And please, don't try to make what's abnormal normal. This is not a normal situation. This is not what we're accustomed to. This is not what we're supposed to be happy with and adjust to and think that it's okay. This is all abnormal. And even though our new normal will change and adopt many of these practices that we've had to adjust to, but please know that this is not what we're used to. So you may have to take a little extra step to, you know, and get some support so that you are able to better handle this and find out how your personal individual being can exist and exist to the best of your ability, your highest capacity during these times. Get the help that you need. Call somebody. Get some support. And really understand that if you're feeling off, that 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 is what's normal. Wow. Well said. Three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. All right, uh, we're going to step out here and uh, take a break. Uh, Chatterbox is just overflowing. I want to read something. Wait a minute, Miss Elliott, did you try to say something before you get out of here? Well, yeah, Rich Sisters on the line. We can pick her up when we get. Oh, let's bring her. I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Let's bring her for a quick comment. Let's bring her. Good morning, Jackie. How are you doing? Sorry about that. What's going on? Good morning. Oh, no, that's okay. How's how's everybody doing? Good, doing well, well. Yeah, but definitely I just want to add to what everybody's been saying. Prayers just going out to everybody because this has been a really uh, difficult year with everything that's gone on from the pandemic into a contentious election. Um, I, I just got to add it in here. Just know God is able. Trust yep. God because he can't get 
where we can't get to the point where we think to the point of despair. And so many people are just struggling, and I'm not trying to negate anything that has happened. I mean, I can only imagine what people have gone through with losing family members. And it's one thing to lose a family member, but then this was a situation with this pandemic. Some people didn't get to say a proper goodbye because if they went into that hospital and they couldn't see them, they didn't even get to say a proper goodbye to them. If they wow. hold their hands through they, the last minutes of they, you know, I can only imagine. I have, I have my cousin through that. And I can only imagine what they went through. So just prayers going out to those of you who've lost loved ones, not just because of the pandemic, but really for any reason. Because still, they, it was the situation, if they went into that hospital and they couldn't see them, I can only imagine yeah. how tough it was. So just prayers just for everybody during this time, because with the holidays, it's always, it's already known as a time where people get really depressed and and struggle, and so even more so with everything that went on for this year. But just this prayer is going out to everyone during this time. Trust God in any and every situation. Know that He is able, and He does answer prayer. You know, thank you so much for that, uh, Rich sister. Uh, so glad that you were able to get in. And once again, I apologize. I didn't see you in the queue. Three four seven eight five zero. One two seven two. Uh, listen, we're going to step out, uh, take a break, and Chatterbox is is off the chain. Um, so get ready for that. And uh, you know, once again, we appreciate you guys. And once again, if if you can't, if you didn't take anything else away from this conversation, just know that uh, you know we we care about you, and uh, you know, and that's the reason why we come every Sunday and try to share with you all the things that we deal with, and try to give you as much information as we need. But uh, it's amazing when I hear from listeners about uh, how we let people in. We, we appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Little Passports, offering activity kits to keep kids engaged and expand their minds. Hands-on activities and games invite kids to explore the world and unpack the mysteries of science. More at littlepassports.com. Talks between the European Union and Britain on a post-Brexit deal resume today in Brussels. Terry Schultz reports from Brussels, negotiators have been struggling to reach common ground. After a phone call with British Prime Minister Boris Johnson, European Commission Chief Ursula von der Leyen says they agree there's no way to have a final deal without resolving remaining differences over fisheries, establishing a level playing field, and how to regulate adherence to the new rules. But they also agree, von der Leyen says, to give it another shot. Whilst recognizing the seriousness of these differences, we agreed that a further effort should be undertaken by our negotiating teams to assess whether these issues can be resolved. After chief negotiators meet Sunday in Brussels, another phone call between von der Leyen and Johnson is scheduled for Monday night. Without a deal, trade and customs barriers between the sides would take effect January 1st. For NPR News, I'm Sherry Schultz in Brussels. A space capsule containing rock from an asteroid has been found in good shape in a remote part of Australia. The samples were collected by a Japanese spacecraft and parachuted back to Earth. 
but a recovery team struggled to locate the capsule in the Australian outback. They finally found it in the sand, its parachute draped over a tree. In France, demonstrators are calling on President Emmanuel Macron to drop a controversial security law. He withdrew one aspect that would have banned publishing certain pictures of police officers, but protesters remain angered by video showing Paris police beating a black man. Protests in Paris turned violent yesterday. I'm Amy Held in Washington, and you're listening to NPR News. All right, welcome back in 347-850-1272. It is time for Chatterbox Final Thoughts from the world-famous chat room. And uh, mysterious man, uh, do you have anything you want to share with us that uh, people have shared in the chat room, if you don't mind, sir? I don't have anything I want to read, Jay. Nothing. Not none of there. Nothing out of there. It's nonsense. Wow. So, so, so the chat room is back to. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. So, you sure you want to check to make sure there's nothing in there from Kavina Man? Huh? I just want to make sure we get everybody. <laughs> no, Kavina Man just said good morning all, and Jackie was saying some stuff against the Volvo Bright, but it's not worth reading, man. It's not. Okay. All right. Well, that's fine. Now, we have a lot that's going on here. Let me read some of these comments that we have from our chatterbox. Um, all right, three four seven eight five zero one two seven two. The pastor's checked in with us. Uh, he says, "Peace and blessings, family. This is the day that the Lord has made." Hallelujah, Pastor. Uh, first and foremost, happy belated birthday to my absolute favorite on-air personality, Miss Vanessa. Love the topics as usual. Jay, your story about your visit to the facility and what was and was told that you could demask is incredible. People still don't get it. I have some news that I will share with the show, hopefully within the next couple of weeks. Oh, okay, Pastor. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. Rachel from Indianapolis, from Indy, she says, Johnny D, thank you for the topic. It was really it was really a touching segment. Jay, as always, thank you for your questions to your colleagues. I love, love, love intelligent black men. Well, thank you, Rachel. James from Dallas, Texas. He says, uh, you guys got me in tears. God bless the show. Love you guys. Love you back, James. Beverly, uh, Katie, Texas. We need some prayers after that segment. Yeah, we're going to ask Kathleen if she can give us some blessings before we get into uh, the final thoughts. Uh, Helen, Oklahoma City. She says, uh, Miss Vanessa, you are my hero. We need more people like you on this earth. Sending you a virtual hug. I'm pretty sure that's well received, Helen. Vincent, Brooklyn. Good morning, guys. One of the most important topics of the year. Appreciate that, Vincent. Uh, Brian from Florida. Are we still going to get on a need-to-know basis at the top of the hour, Brother Jerome and Brother Jay? Well, I'm gay. I'm pretty sure Brother Jerome is gay as well. Uh, just so much more to read. We just we just have a lot to read. But I'll tell you what, uh, we're going to uh, follow the segue of one of our listeners, and I'm going to ask uh, you know the Reverend, the Pastor, to uh, if she don't mind uh, to. Uh, lead us in a word of prayer because I'm going to tell you I agree with the listener after all that I think uh, we need some spiritual healing so Kathleen if you don't mind um, can you lead us in a word of prayer uh, before we continue to move forward Father God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we all just thank you right now Lord God for just being present we thank you Lord God that your name comes up so often in this show Lord God and we just thank you for the Holy Spirit being present among us. We also thank you, Lord God, just for keeping each and every one of us in our right minds, just protecting us, protecting our families, 
putting your wings of protection around each and every panelist, each and every listener, each and every person online, on social media, watching and interacting with the J. Ryle Show. Thank you for blessing J. Ryle, Lord God, Mr. Elias, Jerome, Vanessa, Johnny B., and all those who participate in the panels, Lord God, because this is not, people may think that this is all glamour and easy, but Lord God, we understand that this is not necessarily just glamorous, but a love of bringing information to the black community. Father, we understand that you are the God of the oppressed. You are the God of justice, of, ju- of social justice. And it is in this platform, Lord God, that we use to bring not only our messages, Father, our own beliefs, our own interactions with you, with each other, with our beliefs, but also to the world, Lord God, so that there is a balance of information available to all who would listen. And Lord God, we just thank you that you would continue to speak to us and speak through us as we take this platform and take this stage to share what is truth for us, what you have given to us to understand and to see and to share, Lord God, because that message is not readily available in the wider media. So, Lord God, as you bless each and every family member here, each and every person listening, I would be amiss, Lord God, if we didn't ask that you would also keep us in our right minds and in our mental health state stability, Lord God, and as Vanessa is working so diligently to make sure that animals are taken care of, Lord God, we don't overlook that either. So thank you for that message. Thank you for the blessing that that is Vanessa. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, and I thank you, Lord God, that you would just comfort her heart as well, and her husband and their family, Lord God, as they seek to have more and more connection. So, Lord God, we know that you sit on the throne, and COVID has not overtaken the throne of grace and the throne of God. So we trust you, and we believe that this too shall pass, and we will follow the science, Lord God. But we will also listen to you, because as Jackie said, you are able. So in the, pre- the precious name of Jesus the Christ, it is in your power, Lord God, that I pray. And we thank you, we glorify you, we honor you, and we, we, yes, we give you not only all the glory, Lord God, but we give you all of our love. And thank you for continuing to be ever-present in our lives and in this space. In Jesus' name we pray, dear Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow, what a powerful word. And on that note, folks, it's time for our final thoughts. Uh, Vanessa, your first final thoughts. Uh, if y'all hear noise in my background, I'm trying to get to the car for church. But let me say, Miss um, Kathleen, thank you so much for that. It was a much needed prayer for me and my husband's spirit, but more so my spirit. Uh, with loneliness, with missing family, just missing, you know, my mother and my brothers. And um, I just want to thank you for that prayer. And uh, I thank JM for being um, who they are in my life, which is my brothers that I don't have. So I hope everybody have a great week and um, stay prayerful and and uh, do something kind for somebody else this week. Do something that's for somebody else 
this week that can't do anything for you. Do y'all catch that? Somebody who can't help you, go do something for them. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much, Vanessa, and all the people who definitely, all the, you know, thank thank all the folks who made the comments about Vanessa earlier this morning, too, because these folks really, the virtual hug, I hope you received that well, Vanessa. Thank you so much. I thank did. you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Miss Kathleen Williams, final thoughts. Happy birthday, Vanessa. <laughs> Happy birthday, Vanessa. Happy It'll be new, it'll be different, but this, this aspect of it, it shall pass. Love you all. Love you back. Thank you so, so much for those encouraging words. And thank you for the word this morning. It was just a beautiful thing. Jackie, final thoughts? Um, thank you for this time. Uh, uh, Catherine, Kathleen, a wonderful prayer. Thank you. And I definitely want to say something that... Um, it was a conversation, actually, that me and my brother had, just had moments ago. Some of y'all need to think about it if you ain't thought about. Take care of your loved ones. Take care of your affairs. And you know what I'm talking about. Make sure you have your certain things in place, you know, to take care of your family in the event of the inevitable Take care. Make sure to take care of your family. Make sure your family is covered, you know. Don't wait because I'm blessed to still have my parents, but, you know, they're getting older. There's just certain things we have to eventually think about. So have those deep conversations. Be willing to have those. I know they're not fun conversations, but take care of your family. Okay. I just want to Thank put that so out much. there because Thank that's you. something Thank that that's overlooked, you know? Yeah, absolutely, Jackie. Thank you so much for those encouraging words. Johnny D, man, final thoughts. All right. I, I certainly want to... Thank those individuals who allow us an opportunity to come to their home. Uh, I want to thank Miss Vanessa for sharing uh, again powerful testimony, uh, and Dr. Williams, true woman of God. Uh, I'm always inspired by your words, and uh, again, just timely and concise and, and, and to the point. And with, with Miss Jackie, uh, have always been in-depth in her thoughts uh, and conversation and, and certainly appreciate having an opportunity to share the, uh, the venue with each one of you and, 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 and to the brothers, and to the brothers. Uh, Mike, this time next year, when, when it's all said and done, we will all hopefully be able to get together and break bread. Uh, I probably would still have on a face mask, but the reality of it is is that I look forward to, to God blessing us to where one day we may be able to do a live broadcast, Jake, and uh, that that would be 
that would be the ultimate for me. So, again, I appreciate the opportunity that you have presented in the 34 years of friendship, my brother. Amen. God bless you. I appreciate you as well. Mr. Jerome, Mr. Freeman, final thoughts? Well, you know, I know I missed uh, the missed, missed first part of the show because I did not know it was Vanessa's birthday. So happy birthday or belayed birthday. I don't know when your birthday is, but happy birthday, Vanessa. Um, I, you know, usually opt out of a lot of conversations just generally on the show. and um, But all of us have experienced loss. And so I just want to, you know, I, I don't really have a thought about it. I just want to say that. We all have to to express a little bit more empathy and a little bit more um, and be a little bit more conscious about what's going on in the world as far as our humanity is concerned. I know a lot of times when we start doing news or start watching stuff on TV, they are so disconnected from each other's humanity. So I think that we, um, you know, there are times that we definitely show it on the show and, and with each other. And I just want to encourage people outside of listening to us do it, that they do that to one another. Um, so I want to say that. I want to say uh, hi to Mariana Music. You know, I know she's been here a long time. Um, listener, Momo B, everybody who, who has been around and who has checked in, um, just kind of thinking about everybody connected to to the show and outside of that. So I just want to say that and everybody have a good week and be safe and keep wearing your mask. I don't care what anybody else says. As long as people aren't breathing on you and you're not breathing on them, the virus spread will slow down and stop. And remember, the numbers are if 70% of people would have just worn a mask, it would have been done by now. Just in a mask, forget the vaccine. We would have stopped spreading this thing months ago if 70% of people would just wear a mask. So everybody does not have to get a vaccine. We just have to have enough people to have a vaccine so that it's not spreading and it will eventually whittle down to nothing. So everybody have a good weekend and no, be hopeful. This is not so much of a downtime as much as it's a reflection time for all of us. So be hopeful. We're in the holidays. It's already depressive. So everybody have a good week. Thank you, Jerome. Mr. Elias, my final thoughts. Well, you know something, Jay, man. Uh, to my brothers on the show, I love each and every one of you because, hey, man, without y'all, we wouldn't have a show. And to my sister, Vanessa, you know how I felt about you. I love you, Vanessa. In my most troubling time, Vanessa has always found a way to brighten up my day. So thank you, Vanessa, for that. Kathleen, the spiritual side that you bring to me. What can I say to my, my story, my sister? You are, you know, you bring out the... You, you actually make me want to go back to church, Kathleen. <laughs> and that, that says a lot. Um, and Rich, sister, my darling, you have always been there. I thank you for you, you being there. And Momo B, you know how I feel about you, baby. But, uh, and Marianne Music, even though we've never met, thank you for your, your kind words all the time, too. But, folks, I'm, I'm not going to get off my soapbox. Georgia... January, get out and vote. If you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice. And if you don't get out and vote, everything that we fought for with Biden goes out the window because Mitch McConnell is an obstructionist. So get out and vote, folks. Get out and vote in January. If you don't get out and vote, you don't have a voice. 
you know, I start off by saying I'm not a perfect man by no stretch of the imagination. Uh, when I sit back and reflect on the things that I've done in my life, I get on my knees and I ask God for forgiveness. And I ask God to show me mercy and grace. I ask God to show me uh, the light through darkness. Like most people, I'm dealing with things that are probably unimaginable to most. But the one thing I will say that I'm a blessed man. And, and I consider myself blessed because I have people that I know that are like my brothers and sisters. I know that, you know, if I needed a transplant or if I needed a kidney, I know that there would be so many people that would step up to the plate and say, hey, Jay, we got you. Met so many listeners throughout the course of the years doing this show, people saying how much we mean to them and how much our words soothe them through trying and difficult times. But one of the things that you never want to do is take people for granted. Right? And no matter what you're dealing with in your life, you always have to take time to see brighter days ahead. And there's no excuse for missing important days. I want to apologize on the air live to Vanessa. I thought that I had wished her a happy birthday. And like I said during the show, Vanessa just don't know how much she means to me, what inspiration she provides for me. She's that big sis that I've always wanted and that now that I have so I thank God for her I thank God for everyone on the show I thank God for even Steve even Steve Steve is a guy that you know we've had our our back and forth but I thank God for Steve Momo Beasy knows how I feel about her and all of our listeners the pastor Mariana Music all you guys you guys fill a void in my life and I just want to say thank you thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart but most of all I want to give the man his due I want to tell God, thank you for blessing me with the blessings that you bestowed on me. I know sometimes I don't deserve them. I know it. But I just thank you. I really do. From the bottom of my heart, I thank you for everything that you do for me. And on that note, Mr. L.E.S., if it's Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. What time is it, my friend? It's time for the serious side of the day. Wow. Show. For Vanessa... For Kathleen, for Rich Sister, for Johnny, Jerome, Mr. Elias, I'm Jay Rouse. And have a wonderful work week. God bless you all. And uh, remember, for Sunday, we're talking serious stuff. It is serious side of the Jay Rouse Show. Don't go anywhere. Coming up next is my favorite part of the show. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful work week.
You just well, let thanks, me know, bro. and I'll try to do it. You know what? And on that note, let's give this man his proper intro. Five, four, three, two, one. The first lady dazzles on election night in a... Tell me, what do you want me to do? The fans want it. The fans, you got it. On a need-to-know basis with the very, very, very distinguished Mr. Jerome Esprit. Jerome, man, the floor is yours, man. How are you doing this day? I'm, I don't even know how to take that intro. Should we just do serious news? Or should we laugh through the news? I don't know. I don't know, Jerome. Well, people say that it's, it's, they love it. It just provides balance. So you do you, sir. Do you. <laughs> no, no. Well, at is true in serious news. Even if it's funny, it still is news. So, again, no, if, yeah, if, yeah, if it's your first time here, we try to give news. That I know through out of our news service, um, we always want to give news that you may have missed. And my girl Lucy Sanchez Abreu, who produced one of our producers, used to always say, "It's always news you can use, right?" And so it's things that we need to know. Um, getting away from mainstream media news um, because they pretty much give you the same eight stories between all of the uh-huh. networks. So we try to compact some um, stories that you may have missed, okay? There's still news. We're not making this stuff up. Now, first of all, I want to say that um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the world's largest te- telescope in Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico it's Damn, nine yeah. tons. It, it collapsed. Yeah. And, um, largest what? It, it, it collapsed. Down. Observatory. It's the largest telescope. It was... It fell into disrepair after, like, um, I think it was a hurt. Uh, I want to say a hurricane came through, and some yeah. of the wires, the support wires, you know, broke. And since it's 900 tons, they were worried about repairing it, so they ordered new cables. And I think it was in August or something. They just kind of said, "We can't risk putting a cable on there and that thing snaps, and it's going to take anybody with them." So it. Um, the director, who is the uh, Florida Space Institute at the University of Central Florida, they kind of oversee it, but they do it for the National Science Foundation. And if you don't know anything about this telescope, it's 57 years old, um, and it was built by the Defense Department. They actually um, gave the money for it in the 60s, and they built it to develop um, pushed to develop anti-ballistic uh, missile defenses and um, it's famous for detecting pulsars and capturing um, geological features in Mars and helping astronomers discover near-Earth asteroids and all of that other stuff. And also it appeared on the James Bond movie Goldeneye in 1995. I think they shot a scene there. But it was the world's largest um, telescope. It collapsed this week. You know, speaking of that while we're on this, you know, the largest meteor has been seen, a, a large meteor has been seen in parts of northeast United States and southern Ontario. And it was, um, I don't know if you guys saw this on media, but it had dramatic images on social media that it has an intense flash 
that lit up. So the American Media Society reported that 150 sightings from residents from Maryland to Washington, D.C., Virginia, Pennsylvania, New York, and Ontario, and Michigan on Wednesday all heard the um, <laughs> heard it explode. And I have to say, mm. from where I am in New York, it it actually was in our area. So um, they were told that it exploded between Rochester and Syracuse, and they heard it from D.C. and Michigan and Ontario. That's how big wow. that explosion was. Yeah, it was a meteor wow. that, that passed through. It was 22 miles above the Earth's surface, and, um, and it happened over central New York, but it created a sonic boom that went that far. And it, and, that, wow. and it was a large meteor, but it was not that large. So every time you watch one of those movies saying, hey, if a meteor hits us, that exploded 22 miles above us, and it was heard that far away. Mm. Yeah, so that, that is actually pretty uh, pretty scary. scary. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Black Friday, I know I didn't do this, but Black Friday online sales soared by 22% to $9 billion. Uh, oh, store yeah. I think people ain't have any money, right? Wow. It's the store business yeah. by 52% uh, since the pandemic, but the online store sales were up. And I don't know what Dang. Cyber Monday numbers were, but that was just for Black Friday. Nine billion. Damn. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, if you're, I know I did a lot of astronomy today because of this sonic boom thing, but Jupiter and Saturn will appear closer to to each other um, on December 21st, right? Now, they have not been that close in 800 years, so they'll look like a twin stars, like, the you know, the giant planets will come close um, and appear less than a full moon apart, so wow. it's going to be... If you don't know, the, the 21st is the winter solstice. So that's why that's kind of important. So you should be able to see it. And um, it'll be visible, of course, the closer you are to the equator, the closer, you know, the more you'll be able to see it. But it should be visible if the, if the sky is clear on the 21st. Jupiter and Saturn. Now, I know I didn't uh, do this story as well. AstraZeneca, it's why... When I mentioned AstraZeneca, I thought I did the story on the show, but apparently I didn't. But AstraZeneca um, announced that their COVID-19 um, vaccine is up, is 90% effective and can be stored in normal refrigerators. And so America, the United States, has already bought 300 million doses at $1.2 billion. So AstraZeneca announced yeah. that it's – yeah. So they announced that the, the vaccine is 70% effective on average, but works at 90% if given a half a dose first and then a full dose the second time. Now, in the meantime, AstraZeneca, you know, said that they had they made a mistake by doing that. It was a mistake by giving somebody a half a dose to volunteers during the trial, but they found out the half a dosage pretty much prepares your body for the vaccine. And then when you give them a full dosage, it works at 90%. So the other ones are giving you two full dosage, um, I think three weeks apart or something like that. But the AstraZeneca is like half a dose yeah. and then a full dose. And it works at 90% click. Hmm. 
And it doesn't have to be stored at ultra hot cold temperatures either. It makes it easier to yeah. distribute. So that's why I said, you know, that we should use the AstraZeneca one. Although I would need to know what their test subjects were. But the cost per dose for the AstraZeneca is $2.50 a dose. Wow. Pfizer's <laughs> is about $20, and Moderma is going to be between 15 and 25 So you know those U.S. companies are going to mark that thing up to about $50 a dose. And this costs $250 a dose, and it works at a 90% clip. Wow. So yeah. I'm hoping, since we're going to have it in this country, that... If I was running an organization in a black community, I would opt to get the $2.50. I know it sounds like it's cheaper, but it does work at a 90% effective rate, and it has normal refrigeration. So Hmm. opposed to worrying about it going bad, you know. um, Yeah. So, But in AstraZeneca, by the way, there were no hospitalizations or Severe cases of COVID-19 were reported in those who received the vaccine either, unlike its rivals. But the AstraZeneca, you know, AstraZeneca vaccine doesn't have to be stored either in cold temperatures, which makes it easier to distribute. So in developing countries, they're probably going to use the AstraZeneca because it's cheaper and it works better. There was no hospitalizations or severe cases with the AstraZeneca. The Oxford yeah, it's the of course, I was reading it. the other one is that you get you get you get uh, fatigued and you sore. That's what I was reading with the other one. Yeah, yeah, I read the the um, the um, side effects and it's like regular flu stuff, right? You get a sore arm. Some people are getting fatigue and headaches, but they said that they go away quickly. Is what they said. But again, the AstraZeneca, they're not reporting such harsh um, side effects either. And the side effects aren't harsh. They're, nobody's dying from the side effects. But just to know that there is a difference. But again, since that was developed in England, um, we'll probably get the U.S. version of it. It's just like everything else. These companies are going to have to make money. So this is what we have to weigh. Uh, about it. So when, when we asked um, Dr. Swami about this, that Oh, I'm going to ask her. And again, she is a botanist and an herbalist. She owns a detox bar in Queens. So I trust her because she is, she'll tell us an alternative other than getting that shot if there is one. So <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm, I'm hyped about I'm hyped about talking to her, man. Yeah, whatever it is, I'm doing it. Damn, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Yep. And, and she's a professor. I won't say what university she's in. So she actually teaches as well. So she is just not somebody in, in, in the room reading studies and just guessing what other people's studies are saying. She actually knows how to do this work. She knows how to evaluate data. And she knows where to look. So it, it's, um, I look forward to it as well. Now, um, New York State's Governor Cuomo will get 170 doses of the Pfizer vaccine on December 15th if the panel of experts and the FDA approves it. So Cuomo previously announced that he would set up his own independent panel of experts to review, to review the FDA findings because of the heightened political climate and its surroundings. And again, we're talking about the Trump administration, so nobody should be trusting those fools. <laughs> now. Really? The U.N. Commission on Narcotic Drugs has voted to remove cannabis from its category of world's most yes. dangerous drugs. Yes. The move yes. follows the recommendation.
Association of World Health Organization, uh, the research into the medical use, um, they said it would make it easier. Um, the commission, um, the governing body of the UN Office of Drug and Crime, voted 27 to 25. Now, they didn't say who voted against it, but apparently they voted to remove cannabis and cannabis resin from the Schedule 4 um, of the 1961 Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs. Um, it's a global text that governs um, drug control. Hmm. There was one abstention, but again, they didn't tell us who didn't want to um, vote for this. But UN members, yeah, <laughs> we, we they, could almost guess who it was. They decriminalized it, didn't they? I was like, yes. Okay, now you need to just come on find out how you're going to tax it so I can start smoking before I retire. That's all I'm asking. That's all That's I'm asking. <laughs> now, Canada and, and Uruguay have legalized um, the sale and use of cannabis for recreational purpose, but must many countries have decriminalized cannabis possession. So, I don't know, read in between that what you want, but go to Canada. <laughs> if you want to, uh, if you want to feel free. Now, you know, now, one of the things I did not talk about, which I should have brought up as a topic today, I just didn't think we had time, that, you know, President Obama said that black men voted for Donald Trump because he's a stereotypical macho figure and warns Democrats that they can't assume that they always have the black vote. So Obama said hmm. in an interview, that was released Thursday, that black men could be prompted to vote for Donald Trump because he's a stereotypical um, macho figure, right? Now, I want to run both of these together because I'm going I'm, I'm to speak about this. AOC, in, um, that, that is Ocasio-Cortez, um, and um, Ilian Omar and, and um, Ayanna Presley all slammed President Obama for saying defunding the police is a snappy slogan that alienates voters and insists um, that it is um, it, the alien voters by insisting that it's mandated. So he's come under fire by progressive Democrats after criticizing the defunding police campaign and referring to the phrase as a snappy slogan. Now, Sonny Halston, who's on The View, she also said the same thing. President Obama is wrong. Right. For both of these statements. And so if he wants to be neutral, I would say be the president of everybody. But you are not the president of black people. So if you want to write me, I will send your comments to Jay. I'm not going to even throw them in the trash. And I'm only not talking to just the regular listeners. But anybody who wants to talk about this need to understand, just like Georgia Senate race, all the Democrats in Iowa, the Joe Mansons of the world, they need to stay out of this. Yeah. Black people know what the heck is going on, and you need different strategies. But Democrats fight so much by thinking that um, since white folks can't take you saying defunding the police, then we can't say it. And what I need to say about that, right, and what I need to say about that is this. Defunding the police, the definition of defunding does not mean zeroing out the police. It means stop putting our money in there. So instead of getting people to understand a definition, we need to change our words like white folks can't, um, can't understand and don't have good, you know, verbal skills, right? We cannot <laughs> explain to that. 
Right. We treat, mm. we treat them like toddlers. Every time white folks yeah. go, oh, um, Colin Kaepernick's taking the knee means um, defunding the military. It's like you just made that up. Right? You cannot keep letting white folks define <laughs> what your actions You're are. It's mm. right. We keep saying, well, maybe he shouldn't have took a knee. Maybe he shouldn't have took a knee because now it's against the military. You know who said it's against the military? White people. Yeah, yeah. That's what if they, they can't use their own language to figure out what truth is, then we can't help them. So President Obama needs to not comment on black people's stuff because he's too neutral. Who 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 believes that Donald Trump is some macho figure that black men want to be like? Are you crazy? <laughs> I man, not me. I know that for a fact. That is just dumb, right? So you're playing to the, you're playing to the the worst amongst us. Black people have a tendency of doing that. Where white folks never play the t- trailer park, white folks. I don't I don't go to Miss McConnell and say to Miss well, McConnell, look, um, y'all got a lot of inbreeding and a lot of bestiality going, so maybe you need to stop that and you can think a little different. Do I do that? I'm just, that's just an example. I'm just saying, because he's in Kentucky. So I ain't throw stereotypes at him about inbreeding and bestiality. We need to stop doing that kind of stuff and doing stereotype, typical things black to black people. And President Obama needs to not do that. So if anybody who is listening to this show has any access to President Obama, tell him to be quiet. Work that out. Or tell him to call me. Right, because I will tell him that as well, and I and I am talking about in my professional capacity. I will tell him because it's not smart. All right, so you're, aren't you glad I didn't do that on the show, Jay? <laughs> no, <laughs> no comment. Jack, no comment. comment myself. I was gonna use it for my own show because I would. I'm gonna be a lot worse in that. I'm, that was the light version of what I had to say about that. Anyway, <laughs> I use numbers for it. All right. So, for you know, we cannot overlook the uh, what do you call it? This the event, the black evangelicals and black preachers and yes. so forth, who really yeah. are hardcore about anti-abortion, anti any alternative lifestyle, and um, uh, what was it? It was they're um, against people who are pro-choice. They are against alternative lifestyles and everything else that are hardcore Republican ideals. And they will overlook everything else, everything else, and yeah. just go and go on those choices alone. And we have, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know how many uh, uh, black preachers and evangelicals and so forth that we have in this country, but I dare say it's probably a lot. And the majority of the black church is headed by black males, you know, and Mm -hmm. then you talk to them. And and this was my personal experience when I was living in Ohio, several, I don't know, in the nineties, I want to say in Ohio. And I was a member of a church and I talked to a lot of the folks that when I think it was the, um, it was Bush and somebody. I can't remember who the Democrat was at that time. But they all voted for Bush 
And I was like, what are you talking about? Are you guys Republicans or what? I was like, yeah, there were, there were Republicans and we're voting. We don't care about the black conversation. What we care about is what the Bible says. And we are voting straight down the line on uh, for the person who is against abortion and who is against, you know, alternative lifestyle. That was it right. for them. There was no further conversation. So when so, we look at black men, we can't just say it's, they're looking for a macho person. That eliminates the entire conversation about religion, which is very important. Controversial, but very important. Right. And, and at the same time, I think that what we are not considering is the guy's moral standing that you're voting for. Right? So you can have 22 cases of sexual assault. You can cheat on your wife. You can talk about grabbing women by the crotch. And you can do that, but you're still voting for that guy. Right? right. That is symbolic in itself. So how can you say, you know, he's going to eliminate abortion when you're locking children up and taking them away from their parents when they're breastfeeding? And then you're and then you're sterilizing the women, right? Like, at what point does your religion just opt out of this and go, well, I don't have a good side to pick. I ain't even voting. You voted for the immor- the, the moral, um, unethical guy because of something else. So, you know, I don't take those arguments um, as as valid arguments because they're voting for something else, and it has to do with oppression and supremacy because. They're ignoring so much more, um, or so much more um, vile things in that one human being, just to make a point that we're talking about um, a policy or or a law that you need a governing body to make a decision on. Trump is not making a decision on abortion. Obama's not making a decision on abortion. That is that is a legislative a legislative issue. So voting for Trump because of a legislative legislative issue is just dumb. They're just using it as an excuse. So again, um, when you do that, I have no um, I have no words for you. But at the same time, I forgive you because I think you're just dumb. That's all I have to say about that. I just want to be real clear that some people are on the short bus on this on this case. And if you if you're there. Fine. I'm not even mad at you, but just know that you're riding that bus. And you're riding mm. until the wheels fall off. <laughs> I said, That'll be a new nursery ride, riding the short bus till the wheels fall off. But anyway, <laughs> I'll just move on, my bad. All right, I don't want to take everybody with me, so just, just give me a moment. All right, so um, there was new numbers from the presidential race. They did update the um, the numbers, and so Joe Biden won 81 million votes. And that was 7 million more votes than Trump. So he had 51%. Um, Trump is at 60, I'm sorry, he's at 46.9%, and Biden's at 51.3%. So the margin of victory is second behind President Obama. Now, we know the numbers are higher, but um, he's, he's behind President Obama in the, the, um, the margin of victory. So here it goes. Since 2000, Bush's margin of victory, of course, we know he lost in 2000, the popular vote. It was minus 0.5%, and then he won by 10%. Obama won by 7% against um, John McCain, and then he won by 4% against Romney. Biden or Trump won by minus 2%, 
and Biden is at 4%. This is according to the Elections Committee. So the margin of victory, he is, Biden's margin of victory at 7 million votes is, is number two behind President Obama. Obama got 7%, so don't think that the margin is any better. But you still, again, and I keep hearing this argument, there's X amount of people who voted for Trump. The point is, is that that means nothing. Because, again, uh, I don't know if I made this point on the show before, but, um, Elias, do you remember Loyola Marymount, Jay, and Kathleen? Do you remember the basketball team Loyola Marymount, who used to score yep. like 100 Yeah, Hank Gathers was on that team, and he Hank died. Hank Gathers, yeah. and, uh, yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know how you can score 120, 140 points a game? You need to you let the other score about 90 <laughs> points. Mm-hmm. Right? Right? Because the only yep. way you can get the ball moving that fast is that you have to let them score. You just have to outscore them. So there were teams that were scoring 60 points, 65 points a game, getting 90 points. But they still lost. <laughs> you know, Loyola and Marymount still got 130. So looking at, you know, Trump getting all of those votes means squat because he still lost by 7 million votes. <laughs> so stop talking about how much the loser, how many points he got. Right, it's like he hit a high uh, free throw percentage. It's like he lost by seven million votes. <laughs> <laughs> this is wow! Gonna, yeah, just need to put that in some kind of context for you because it seems I keep hearing that argument and it's just dumb. You know, when I hear Joe Scarborough and and white folks generally do that too, they always try to even a playing field. It's like, well, we need to cater to the people who, you know, people who lost. Well, Trump loses by 3 million votes, but you never heard any of those same people say, well, Trump needs to think about the 3 million people he lost to. Mm-hmm. Right? Say that. They only try to guilt yeah. you a little bit later. Now, the House will override Trump if he vetoes the defense agreement, which will rename Confederate bases. So, as he's getting upset with Republicans, and um, he's wrongfully claiming that it will desecrate national monuments, Trump is demanding that Republicans not support the defense bill, but the House will override it, and so he's still mad about that. (laughs) Now, a Brooklyn uh, judge on Friday, on Friday night, ordered that the defense, uh, the Department of Homeland Security must resume accepting applications from, from the DACA program. It's a victory for immigrant advocates, and the administration has blocked DACA since September 2017, arguing that it encourages legal immigration, illegal immigration. Now they can appeal um, their decision to the federal courts or the Supreme Court, but they lost again. And they won't even have time because he's going to be out of office before it even hits one of those guys. And the um, they could just withdraw it once, once um, Biden gets there. So this is a done deal. It's just unbelievable, the stuff he's doing, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, um, NBA All-Star Anthony Davis, who's 27. I don't like giving people's age. I don't know why. But um, he agreed to a five-year, $190 million deal to stay with LeBron James as the defending champion. Los Angeles Lakers tried to do their repeat. So LeBron also signed a two-year, $85 million extension. So they're going to be together for the next three years. Yeah. now, I didn't know this. I don't know if you knew. Do you know that in the NBA, you cannot have an ex- um, 
a multiple year contract once you hit the age of thirty eight. Really? LeBron will hit thirty eight at the end of this contract. Yeah, that seems like strange, doesn't it? Really? Yeah, if you're thirty eight, you cannot have a multiple year contract. Now I don't know who that protects. Yeah, because I'm thinking if I'm thirty eight and still able to play basketball, why would that my age matter? Because you know they won't pay me if they don't think that I can make it five years. Right, but, but no, why is that the NBA's concern? Shouldn't that be on the team? Yeah, so I want to offer this person that, that that kind of money, but okay, I guess. Yeah, I, it it seems strange, like that they restrict you because you're 38. I don't know if the players' union, because uh, they had to agree to it, like the players' union, and I know there's nobody, you know, usually when you're 38, you're sitting on the bench and coming off the bench or or something like like a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, somebody who played when they were older, you know, 36, 37, somebody like, um, what's his name who just retired? Um, Vince Carter. Oh, okay, yeah. Now, he wasn't, I don't think he was that old, was he? But Vince Carter no. has been in the league a long time. But yeah. Yeah, he's been, yeah a real long time. Yep, so apparently there's a rule that they cannot sign a, a multiple-year deal if you're over 38. Just weird. Vince Carter was 43 ah. when he retired. Was it? I didn't know he retired, but he's 43. He's 43 now, so I didn't yeah. know he retired. Yeah, he retired. So, so maybe they had to renew his his deal every year because they can't do multiple-year deals after 38. I don't know if it's to let you out of your contract, but what can you do if you can't play no more? I don't, I don't know. I don't know who that protects. I was just wondering. I wanted to bounce it off of y'all to see if it was something I was missing, but it just seemed strange. <laughs> Now, rich New Yorkers were hiring people at $80 an hour to wait in line for them for a COVID test. Can you believe that? Mm. There's a website yeah. called TaskRabbit that offers freelance jobs, you know, in a gig economy. And they were paying people up to $80 an hour to stand in line for COVID. And then when they got close enough, they will call the rich person and they'll come get in line for their, for their COVID test. Wow. Man, they still want VIP. They want VIP COVID. That's all that is. Wow. Now, General Motors said it will no longer support the Trump administration in legal efforts to end California's right to set its own clean air standards. So um, the environmental group, uh, in a letter to uh, environmental groups that GM, this is what GM sent out, GM will pull out of a loss that urges automakers to do so. And the CEO said that the company agrees with President-elect Joe Biden's plan to expand electric car vehicle use. And last week, GM said it's testing a new battery um, chemistry that will bring electric vehicle costs down um, to those of gas-powered vehicles within five years. So people are Hmm. corporate already running away from that fool already. Wow. Now, I don't know if you remember last Monday night's game was covered by an all-black um, officiating crew. It was the first time ever. Um, this is 55 years yeah, was, after the Yeah, I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, their headlinesman um, uh, became the first African-American who was a referee in professional sports. And so they had a black official uh, officiating crew during the Tampa Bay Los Angeles Rams um, game um, a couple Monday nights ago. Mm-hmm. 
Now, I don't know if you yeah, heard this story. What'd you say? Did you see yeah, that, Yeah, I saw Elliot? that one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that one, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a debate uh, over... The debate over artist rights had been re- reignited by Dave Chappelle, who recently asked Netflix to remove his old comedy series, The Chappelle Form Show, from their platform. Now, Netflix mm-hmm. obligated the, them... So the Chappelle Show fans will not be able to see it on Netflix. It, it originally ran on um, Comedy Central. And Dave Chappelle said, people think I made a lot of money from the Chappelle Show. He said, when I left the show, I never got paid. They didn't have to pay me because I signed a contract. But is that right? So he recalled how upset he was to learn that his, his, um, his show was streaming on Netflix after he got his Netflix deal. Because he wasn't mm-hmm. making any money off of it, so he didn't want it on there. So shout out to uh, <laughs> to Dave Chappelle. He has a yeah. new special, Unforgiven. So he said, at the time, the white people sitting at the table, some which he had hired um, to help him through the process, advised him that it was a good contract. It turns out that what he signed essentially cut him out of owning his own work or put Dave or Dave put it, uh, the network stole it because of this effing industry is a monster. Is what Dave Chappelle said. <laughs> that it is. Hey, you know what? I, I regret not doing these type of stories because we, you know, we look at Dave Chappelle and say, oh, he got $50 billion. I can't believe he walked away from that. Dave Chappelle got ripped. Yeah, like every did. other black person. He said he was young. And then mm-hmm. white folks that he hired conspired with the people, um, I won't say the name of my friend, but I have a, a friend who um, was negotiating with, I think it was Warner Brothers, to do a label years ago. Uh, Warner Brothers and Sony, like two different companies. And he said his attorney was sitting there kissing the butt of the executive that was ahead of Sony at the time. And he said, I had to immediately fire him because he was so happy to be in a room with that other white man that he was just sacrificing him even though they were negotiating to get him to do some work for them, he said the guy was just all over the other guy. So you have to see this coming. When mm. people are just happy to be there, they will use you to have a better relationship with them. That's why with mm. Dave Chappelle in particular, his boy um, Neil Brenneman, I think is that guy's name, who's a comedian now. Yeah, yeah. He, he pretty much sided with Comedy Central. So his whole career as a comic is on the back of Dave Chappelle because Dave Chappelle brought him along and I think he pretty much sold Dave out too. Yeah, so he I don't, was a writer. Yeah, yeah he was they, a writer. They wrote, they wrote, they, he wrote Half Baked with Dave and uh, they wrote, yep. uh, they were, he was a writer on the Chappelle show, yeah. Yep, and so it just tells you that even him assimilating Dave Chappelle don't make his delivery and his comedy smart. Like, so you can write with somebody but you don't, you're not them. You can assimilate as much as you can, but you're not them. So, you know, um, the Pentagon, there's a Pentagon proposal that allows presidents and vice presidents to, um, who, haven't suppo- who haven't served in the military to be buried in Arlington National Cemetery. It's been blasted by veterans because here's one of the things, we talked about things that Trump is trying to pass through while he's in office. He wants to write for him and to be able to be buried in Arlington and they never served in the military. Wow, that's bull. Yeah, that's supposed to be for military. Right. 
so he he wants to he's trying to get it and when he eventually passes the way that he'll be able to be, get buried in Arlington. Nope. So back in September, mm-hmm. defense department sought feedback on potential plans to restrict who can get buried in Arlington, saying that they were running out of space, and Trump is trying to get that passed or trying to get them to allow um, the president and vice president to automatically be buried there. Nope. Mm. This is a guy wow. who has a disdain for the military, but he want to be buried in Arlington. Mm. Wow. He okay. want to be buried next to McCain or something. What's wrong with this man? <laughs> <laughs> Think about that. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? It's like, um, yeah, yeah, he's not a hero, but please put me next to John McCain because anybody could do this, right? He's just showing how disrespectful he is in the bigger picture. You know. Mm. So, uh, um, I didn't also say this. President Obama revealed in his new book that Sasha and Malia, well, while, while he was, you know, interviewing for his book, he said that his, his daughter, uh, Malia and Sasha, both took part in anti-racism protests this summer without any prompting from him or Michelle, and it meant he couldn't be prouder. So, hmm. you know, here's the thing. You know, Malia's 22, Sasha's 19. He said they got involved without prompting for Michelle or myself on their own initiatives. Now, again, all of this progress that's been made from Floyd um, – um, I was going to say Floyd Little – from the Floyd, what is his name? Yeah, George Passing. Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. Yes, from George Floyd and um, Breonna Taylor and all this stuff did not come from the President Obamas of the world or any of that leadership or the Al Sharptons or any Reverend Al Sharpton. Sorry about that. They, they didn't come from them. These organically stemmed up. So even his daughters find it something that they need to get involved with. You cannot have people who are sitting on the sidelines determine how you are supposed to protest or what you're supposed to do. So once the protests become effective, now President Obama is coming out saying, okay, well, the defunding of the police, we don't need to say that. It's scaring white people. That's essentially what he just said. Don't worry about him. Just keep doing what you're doing. And even his kids are going forward, so that's cool. You know, so between 2003, I know I'm giving a lot of news today because we are way past, right? That um, between 2003 and 2018, a 16-year period, 140 children have died from police intervention, according to a new study. Now, this is published in the Journal of Pediatrics. It's found by reviewing death certificate and census data. The vast majority of 113 of those who died involved guns, and 93% of the children were killed. Uh, 93% of the children killed were boys. And amongst that tragic group, six times as many people who were killed were black mm. other than being white. Now, three times as many were Hispanic as white as uh, opposed to being white. And each year, nearly 1,300 children are killed by guns, according to the historical um, data tracking by Nationwide Children's is what it's called. And most of these deaths were also amongst boys. So they're most commonly killed by siblings or other relatives playing with or otherwise unsafely handling of guns. Now, if you remember, Tamar Rice was just 12 when he was fatally shot by a white police officer who said he missed yep. his for a real weapon in Cleveland, Ohio in 2014. So that, my friend, is um, 
something that we all need to keep in keep in mind. Also, you know, I also want to say this. I know I have a lot of news today. My bad for for keeping everybody today, but I just wanted to get these in. Now, a Tennessee man who's 94 served as an SS guard for the Nazi concentration camp and lived undetected in the U.S. for more than 16 years will be deported to Germany after losing his immigration appeal. So this um, Frederick Karl Berger will be deported to Germany. Um, he's ordered to return in fe- by February, and where he continues to receive a pension for war- wartime services from Germany. Now, he was wow. a part. Right. How did they not know he was here? He's getting a pension really? from Germany. From them, yeah. Right, so they said um, that he he was a part of the machinery, the SS, that oppressed and kept concentration camp prisoners in uh, atrocious conditions and confinement. He said to have been um, admitting, he admitted to guarding prisoners to prevent them from escaping. He's now 94. He came to the U.S. in 1957 with his wife and daughter, and they live in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. So after 75 years, he said, this is ridiculous that you're forcing me out of my home. Okay. Again, it's wow. interesting to me <laughs> that black people can get shot on the streets of this country. We have a new presidential election, and we like, we need to move on. And this fool, <laughs> what, mm-hmm. 70, it was 60 years ago that he needs to be his butt deported, and they, they're going to send his butt to jail for doing yeah. that. You know, we're the only country that like to act like we need to forget. You know, yeah. Well, once print, uh, once Trump leaves office, we need to move on. We need to move on after we jail him in jail. Yeah, that's so, win exactly. Yep, you break the law, you break the law. And so um, now, you know, a Florida man who's 63 who sued William Shatner for 170 million. If you don't know who William Shatner is, um, Captain Kirk. Captain Kirk, yeah. Or T.J. Hooker. T.J. Hooker. Yeah. <laughs> That's a funny name now. They called him Hooker. Yeah. T.J. Yeah. Hooker. Now, uh, Benny, Benny uh, what was his name in uh, Denny Crane in uh, uh, Boston Legal? <laughs> oh, that's right. He was yeah. in Boston Legal. Yeah. Yep. So, William Shatner, this 63-year-old man, sued William Shatner for a hundred years. Who was what? He, he sure was. He was in White Chick. Yep. <laughs> Jeez. I'm gonna have to check. He was in white um, chicks. I don't remember seeing him in white chicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in there. He was everybody. Just in case you want to go bananas on us, that's a movie. Oh, my <laughs> white chicks is a movie starring um, yeah, the Wayans, no, Sean and um, <laughs> Sean Wayans, and what's his brother Marlon Wayans? Yeah, <laughs> I watched that movie. On that's not him. That that's not him. You thinking about the guy that was the the, the father of the daughters? That's not him. That's not William Shatner. No, 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 no. The one that was running the pageant. He was running the pageant. Yeah, that's yeah, that's not him. You can go back and watch. That's not him. That's not that's that's not him. That's another guy. That was, I know was, that yeah, was, I can see why you think it's him, but that's not him. No. I watched no, that movie last week, matter of fact. Uh, yeah, uh, well, you know next week what we're gonna have to do, Kathleen. We're gonna have to send um <laughs> J D what is it, the IMDB thing? I guarantee you that was what it was. Yeah, yeah. I bet yeah, you he, would. he ran the pageant. A Florida okay, I'm going to look it up like, right now while you're doing the news. Go ahead. I'm gonna look go it up ahead. All right. By the time I get done with this I'm one sentence. Yeah. Now, a Florida man who is 63 sued William Shatner for $170 million, saying that he was his father. 
he discovered his huh? real dad was Canadian. And uh, after he went to Ancestry.com and did a DNA, DNA test, William Sanders mm-hmm. not daddy. I just wanted to, just wanted to share that. Wow. Yeah, for 36 wow. years, he, he, he lobbied for 36 years to get William Shatner to do a DNA test. And the DNA <laughs> test came back and said that it was not, he is not the daddy. But Damn. he did discover wow. he had a half-sister in Canada, so I don't know. Yeah, there William, you go. <laughs> I mean, he may have gotten something. And he's not the daddy of the Vandenberg, the Vandenberg girls either. The guy's name was John Hurd. That was okay, and and keep going. Who was the who, who mean? ran the pageant? It's him, John Hurd. That's the guy. You're talking to someone who's watched White Chicks about I don't know twenty five times. Okay, <laughs> so, yeah, I, you can't. Again, I we're talking about you lines from it. White. <laughs> yeah, you just I'm sorry, I, lo- I love it. I, story. I, I think it's one of the funniest movies that them boys ever made, to be honest with you. And, and it's just hilarious, that's all. Mr. Elias okay. noticed, see, we used to play on the show all the time. Uh, mm-hmm. Basking in the Albion, that's you. where it came from. Back uh, at you. <laughs> okay, well, but here, here's, a, here's another William Shatner uh, appearance, which is one of my um, favorite shows with Eddie Murphy and Robert De Niro, that movie. Um, where they played uh, Showtime. Remember he was on there? Yeah. Yeah, he was on there too. Now, you have not played Showtime? Oh, no, okay. So you you have to watch that one. Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, they played Showtime. Really? uh, Yeah, yeah, I've never heard of it. It was fun. Oh, it was was fun. Never heard of it, man. Okay. Robert De Niro's daughter is in that as well. She's playing... um, She's one of the assistants for Renee Russo's character. That's Robert De Niro's daughter. You don't remember Showtime? Yeah. I cannot believe that, Jay. Jay I never, White I never heard of it. I never heard of it. When Eddie said they did a reality TV show off Dave of... Uh, no. Yeah. That, no, that was... Uh, I never saw it. Kadeem Hardison. Oh, that was... Uh, Kadeem Hardison. Yep, yep. Kadeem Hardison. Ah, well, that, this will be one of your new favorites, Jay, if you watch that movie. Okay, I'm going to watch it. Showtime. And, yep, and I, want to run a I want to run a disclaimer again. I know I kept saying this. When Jay said he watches White Chicks, he's talking about the movie. <laughs> just wanted to say that because you know how this is. Thank you for clarifying that, Jerome. <laughs> I said it a couple of times, but I just wanted to put it on the record. The White Chicks he's watching movie. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. We gotta be clear. We gotta be clear. I don't want you getting letters, Jay. <laughs> thank you, Joel. Thanks. I okay. appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Oh. Hey, hey, you look out for me, Jay. That's the least I can do. <laughs> Thanks. Fight. I'm talking about the movie, and I, I've seen that, but I didn't watch it as closely as you did. We're talking about the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, well, we know you were in the military, so I just wanted to—I just want to be clear. The movie. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I thank you. God bless you. That's what we're here for. You know, we showed love at the end of the show, and Kathleen already did our prayer, so she might have to do another one. God bless. Thank you very much. All right. So, oh, 
the Florida masseuse who was charged in that uh, massage parlors thing with Robert Kraft, the um, New England yeah. Patriots owner, um, she's ordered mm-hmm. to pay $31,500 after pleading guilty to soliciting another to commit prostitution. So um, I don't know if he was let off. Not, okay, i got to watch my words on this story. I don't know if he – what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> if he was exonerated. No, if he was this, okay, Kathleen's, Kathleen's, normally Kathleen's not on with us in overtime, and I can do a lot more stories, but I'm going to respect Kathleen being here. This Robert Kraft was allegedly um, looking for a prostitute in this uh, massage parlor, as we do quotations, and um, but the masseuse, the woman who owns it, admitted to soliciting for prostitution. To listen to another prostitution. Okay, I'm going to move well. on from this one. All right, so this <laughs> runs over and kills her boyfriend, like um, because he was packing to leave. Um, he was packing up his car to leave her, so she's charged with more murder after she hit her boyfriend um, with her car outside of a Las Vegas uh, apartment, um, and he died later of his injuries. But so mental note: if you're leaving somebody. Um, Please just throw it in the back seat. Do not put yourself in the trunk. <laughs> That's going to be the moral of that story. All wow. right. So, I know. See, that's what you asked me when you asked for me to do a story, right? Now, yeah, true. Okay. I'm, I'm saying. All right. So, I cannot do. Uh, okay. I have, I have one more story, Jay. So, we'll, I'll, I'll end okay. on this because I won't have anything um, good to end on if I uh, keep going. <laughs> it, would, it would just okay. not be nice. <laughs> All right, uh, and Kathleen, say, say a prayer for us off off um, off air. We're gonna need a little oh extra. <laughs> <laughs> I can see this one coming a mile away. Yeah, uh, and luckily white chicks don't have a theme song. But anyway, we're gonna try to um, <laughs> we're gonna try to cue that up. And Jay, just so you remember, it's called this Show. It does. Yeah. Make my way down fast. Moving fast and I'm homebound. <laughs> Making my way downtown. And I want you And I need go ahead, Jerome. Sorry, you paid your time, brother. <laughs> we have a hard stop in three minutes. Go ahead, Jerome. <laughs> you know what, Jay? Don't ever sing that song again. Let me tell you why. I never look at who's the actor that that was was um was chasing the the two was chasing Sean Wayne's uh, Cruz. Cruz. Terry Cruz. Yeah. I can Terry never Cruz. look at Terry Cruz the same way after watching him sing that song. I'm like, hey. <laughs> 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 he looked way too happy in singing that song. So yeah, don't uh not, it's not the that he made outside that disturbs me. It is him singing that song that does. So, all right. Yeah. So, here's my last story. Okay. So, a kangaroo attacked a female jogger waiting outside. And she was, the kangaroo was waiting outside her, her house like something from a horror movie after <laughs> the woman said the kangaroo, while she was jogging, smelt her Sarah Jessica Parker perfume and drove it wild. So it grabbed her, picked her, and then when she ran in the house, the kangaroo was waiting outside. Now, I got a billion jokes, 
but since we're coming at the top of the hour, top of the hour I'm not going to do the white chicks theme to this particular story with the Sarah Jessica Parker perfume. <laughs> I just, I'm going to let this play in your head. <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs> oh, boy. And it has gone off the rails. <laughs> there it is. All right. Thank you, Jerome. <laughs> We're going to I can't sleep. <laughs> that is not me. It's, 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 it's your partner in crime doing that. Jesus. <laughs> and I need you. All right, sorry. All right, well, folks, that's a wrap for this week. <laughs> Thank you, Jerome, for uh, all the captain yeah, off the line. You had me do a full news show. Uh, of my hour news show, but thanks, Jay, for the white chick reference. Oh, I'm not the one that's playing it. Kathleen went berserk on playing that thing. And I need and I need to. Right. Oh. <laughs> Back at you, Mr. Elias. <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to get out of this now. Um, so we will. <laughs> I don't need that. Still doing it. I don't know. All right. So we will see you guys next week. And uh, God bless you all. <laughs> And to all a good night. You leave us some Curtis Blow? How about that? Curtis Blow? Yeah, you can that Christmas rap. Yeah, Christmas <laughs> rap. There you go. Do some Christmas yeah, rap. We'll do Kathleen. Christmas rap next week since Kathleen's still Kathleen. letting us out with the white girl theme. Go ahead on Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen. All right, guys. Kathleen suggested that we uh, play Get the People What They Want uh, when, and we go in overtime when Jerome comes on. Get the People oh. What They Want. I like that. <laughs> Got to give the people. All right, I like that too. <laughs> give the people what they want. All right, all right. All right well, look, we're we're gone. That's it. They shut everything off. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you back here Sunday. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs>